it's episode 100! Hey! Come on, ladies and gentlemen, episode 100. Ah, good times. They said it would never happen. You hoped it would never happen. (laughs) Yeah, but here we are. Let's make the best of a bad situation. Welcome to Neither the Time Nor the Space, a podcast about Doctor Who. My name is David, and as always, I am joined by the celebratory Matt. Hello there. Oh, crikey. How are we doing? Here we bloody go. <laughs> it's almost, it's hard to know where to begin, isn't it? Like, I know. Um... I, just to pull back the curtain, I've made myself <laughs> two cups of tea, because... I think we're in for a long haul. Well, you know what? I sort of on a similar vein. I've I've got I've uh, we've got a um a nicked Starbucks mug in, in our house, um, which a friend of ours who worked at Starbucks kindly nicked for us. Um, and it's like you know one of their just big vat sized mugs. So I've I've gone with that today because yeah, uh, strap in, listeners. This is going to be a long one. We don't know exactly how long. You will know because presumably you, you can see it in your podcast feed. Um. We, we reckon we're probably going to be breaking two hours on this one. Yeah, we, we got close when we were talking about, like, just generic stuff last week. So. Yeah, and we've got a lot to get through. Yeah. I mean, we've got a heck of an episode to talk about later. But before we even get there, we've got all kinds of self-indulgent nonsense. Yeah. So, um, I thought we could start <laughs> with your gift. Yes, yes, so, you very kind. Episode uh, 100 kindly... is so special yeah. in the sense that yesterday was the first time we've seen each other in six months. Yeah, that was surreal, wasn't it? Yeah. You've got more handsome. <laughs> I thought, I didn't think it was possible. <laughs> I think you're mistaking handsomeness for hairiness. Oh, you are a hairy boy. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so there's some but strict yes, yeah. instructions that sort of come with this gift. Yes, so you um, to, to to explain to the listeners, uh, Matt's very kindly got me a spa bag. Yeah. Um, from it's from the spa, often presumably. mentioned garage near my house. Yeah, yeah, the one that you pop to all the time. So it's a very thoughtful, very very um, a very nostalgic gift. So thank you very much. For oh, that. you silly! Over... <laughs> There's something inside the bag, listeners. It, Let's. See. It should be a sealed envelope. I'll be mad it if it's a... open. It's a sealed envelope, and it says in block capitals, do not open until episode 100. Okay. Well, which, if I'm not very much mistaken, is today. So. You now have my permission Ooh. to open the envelope, but you mustn't open the contents of the envelope. <laughs> okay. Right. I'm opening the envelope. Um, right. I, I, can I tell that this is what, I, what it feels like to me? You can. It feels like some kind of either a DVD case or a game case, something like that. I'm not sure which. Um, So am I allowed to slide it out of the the jiffy bag? Right, here we go. (laughs) Oh my goodness me. Do you want to tell everyone what you've got? I have got K9 and Company on DVD. Now, you haven't just got K9 and Company on DVD. 
Uh-huh. You may now open the DVD case. <laughs> Let's see. Oh, my goodness okay, me. Okay, so there's the disc on one side, and there's a piece of paper, like, with the show notes on the there other. Is, there is, and I've just flipped it over. I, it is signed by John Leeson. Signed by John Leeson, the voice of K9, just oh for you. Oh, my goodness me. That's... <laughs> I told you it was going to set the tone for episode 100. Oh, you soppy git. That is the best oh, wow. worst gift I could find. That's amazing. There you go. I like that he's written, best wishes, John, John Leeson, and then just K9! Exclamation mark, yeah. just in case, just to clarify, because he assumes that not everyone's going to know. Yeah, well, you might be think, you might be considering his other work. Yeah, I mean, his... Mm. So, so there you go, there's a wow, little, little bit of Doctor Who history just for you. Yeah, I am genuinely going to treasure that. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you, Matt. I got you nothing. No, you, you've you got me a hundred weeks of fun. A uh, hundred weeks and then some. Let's, you know, yeah. let's not forget the bonus episodes and uh, diversions along the way. Um, well, I, w- I was going to save this till later, but I actually got myself a gift this week. Oh, did you? Now, go on, open it, because, as I say, you know, okay. I'm, I'm very bad at gifts. So, so, I, th- I thought uh, yeah. episode 100... Is where we could freshen things up a little bit, right? This isn't you pitching for Robot Wars again. Is no, it? no, no. I'm just straight out the gate because we did get quite a few emails, and a lot of them <laughs> were pretty Robot Wars intensive. Okay, <laughs> so what we're going to do is I'm going to answer some of the listener questions today, but yeah. we may even have to do a real episode of "You Bring the Robots, We Bring the Wars." Because is that the only way to sate the public? We got more questions about Robot Wars than Doctor Who. That's ridiculous. So, but also, I think, very in keeping with what whatever weird fan base we've ended up with. So, <laughs> like show. I say, episode 100, freshen things yep. up a little bit. Yeah. So I've actually got a guest to appear on our show this week. Oh, wow. And it's a guest probably known to all Doctor Who fans. Mm-hmm. Because, David, I'd like you intru- to introduce you to someone called Man Who Refuses to Be Wrong About Doctor Who on Twitter. Okay. <laughs> okay, now this could turn into a reoccurring segment. <laughs> okay. Is this, a, is this this is a character you've been workshopping, is it? Um, any likeness to people, either real or dead, is simply coincidence. Okay. Okay, so... As I want to do, uh, I thought I'd go on Twitter and just send, just fire some messages out into the ether, see what gets said. Mm-hmm. And I noticed a lot of people, a lot of Doctor Who fans, just don't like Chris Chibnall. That's very true. Little cheeky chibbers. So mm-hmm. I thought I'd just fire some messages out and see what people had to say. Yeah. So I began with just. I want to say a huge thanks to Chris Chibnall for saving our beloved show and being the best showrunner ever. Yeah. Didn't get the traction I was after. No, I mean, I think it's too too straight down the line, isn't it? Yeah. So then I went for my sort of traditional viewpoint of if you say anything mean about Chris Chibnall, you're the worst type of Doctor Who fan. Mm Mm-hmm. And then this is where things take a left turn. Yeah, I put 
Chris Chibnall could save world hunger, could solve world hunger, sorry, and I'd still be more grateful for his work on Doctor Who. He's our saviour. Okay. You know what's most of it, what's fascinating me about this is you don't know what Chris Chibnall no, I've nev- has done I'm, yet. Right, that comes up later because okay. I've never watched an episode when he's showrunner. Yeah. So then I thought I had to take a more active approach. Yeah. So I started searching people's tweets where they mentioned Chris Chibnall, and I mm-hmm. I thought I'd just just comment, just you know stoke the fires a bit. Yeah. And this is where we're introduced to man who refuses to be wrong about Doctor Who on Twitter. So this is a genuine person. I'm assuming we're not going to... No, no, no. We're him, not but... going to okay. name him. And I've removed yeah. our association from his tweets from our feed so people can't go look for him. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to read this at verbatim because okay. I had the best night of my life on Wednesday. <laughs> so I'm excited for this. Our, our new friend had put... I'd like to point out that even if the 13th Doctor were a man, Chris Chibnall would still be a terrible writer. And st- oh my God. straight away, I knew this is the one. He's the one yeah, for me. That's, I mean, talk about nailing your colours to the mast. Yeah. You know. Wow, okay. Yeah. So, just politely, I said, I'd love to know why people hate Chris Chibnall so much. In my opinion, Doctor Who has never been better. The man deserves a knighthood. Okay. Now, yeah. there's there's some terms that are used here that I don't really know. I think it might be from Doctor Who I'm yet to see. Uh-huh. But immediately, this is where our new friend is very angry. Yes. First, he simply doesn't get the Doctor's character. A Doctor who hangs around with big game hunters and commits cold-blooded murder, such as dinosaurs on a spaceship. A Doctor who spouts meaningless platitudes... It takes you away. And corporate <laughs> slogans, kablam. Mm-hmm. So I, I tried to bring him down a little bit. He seemed a bit angry. Mm-hmm. So my reply there was just simply, I'd recommend you rewatch Dinosaurs on a Spaceship. I feel you mistake, you're missing some of the subtle nuances that make it an all-time top three episode for me. <laughs> oh my God. He totally chose to just ignore that. Yep. And just went, then there's his vendetta against Stephen Moffat. I mean, he just trashed the Day of the Doctor, the 50th anniversary special, of all things. He seems to want to rewrite the show's entire history for the sake of his own ego. And then I thought, if you're just going to ignore what I'm saying, I'm just going to go in at the deep end. So I just said, well, his rewrites improved the show. It's never been better. If his (laughs) ego is calling the shot, I'd give his ego a BAFTA. There's a reoccurring pattern because he chooses to ignore this. Yeah. And he simply says, the day of the Doctor was about the Doctor's core values. He thought he had to betray those values to end the time war, but he found a way to stay true to them in the end. Gallifrey stands. Gallifrey falls no more. In what way was a boorish Irish policeman better than that? Now, I I don't know what he's talking about with the Irish policeman. Yeah, you're just going to have to... uh, I I had to to think long and hard about a response here. Because, obviously, (laughs) he clearly wants to talk about things I don't know about. So Mm -hmm. I said, well, the great thing about Doctor Who is the show's so subjective. We can all have opinions and neither be right or wrong. But in this instance, you, my friend, are wrong. (laughs) At this point... I thought I'd won the argument, but 
it turns out man who's never wrong about Doctor Who on Twitter went full Dalek at this point. Oh, okay. Because his tweet was simply, I have quoted facts, you have merely stated opinions. <laughs> at which point, I, I knew I had him. I knew I had him. So I said, yeah. oh, I'm sorry, I was unaware it's a fact that a made-up 3D painting was objectively better than a made-up Irish policeman. It's been fun <laughs> chatting. Stay safe. <laughs> Assumed that would be the end of things. You'd hope. The painting is just a plot device. The story is about the Doctor thinking he has to destroy his own people, but finding a way to save them. Brendan isn't e. He put Enan. I think he meant even. I was going to point out his spelling mistake, but I thought he might have a heart attack. (laughs) Uh, Brendan, don't know who that is, isn't even a plot device. He's just filler. You could take him out completely and it wouldn't matter. Then I sort of got bored, so I just put, yeah, I guess you're right. I hate Chibnall now. Thanks for your help. It's been nice chatting. Stay safe. (laughs) So that's our Uh, new friend. He might come back. He might be played by a different actor next time we see him. But that is Man Who Refuses to Be Wrong on Twitter about Doctor Who. What an interesting character. Yeah. Yeah. Matt, when, when we started this podcast some hundred so episodes ago, yeah. did you have any inkling that this was going to bring out your inner troll? No, because I, I don't think I'm the bad guy there. I just like poking the bear. Well, exactly. You're, let, let's, let's be honest. You're not, you're not being malicious, but you are fishing. Oh, 100%. <laughs> you're trying, 100%. You're trying to, uh, to get a rise out of people. And there are enough idiots within the Doctor Who fandom that you're always, yeah. you know, sooner or later, you're, you're bound to catch one. I'll tell you what, it, you'll find that when I read some letters from the listeners. I mean, <laughs> I can't even remember how many episodes ago it was, but ah, fucking hell, you say you don't like Midnight, and these bellends <laughs> won't leave you alone. <laughs> Every fucking email was just like, oh, uh, by the way, I quite liked Midnight. Yeah, well, it's a good episode. Yeah. What do you expect from us? I mean, it's not, <laughs> but... Uh, one day, one day when we've got time, maybe we'll do a revisit. Yeah. Like, five years from now or something, if we're still going by then. Yeah. And Plus, uh, just... like, last night, because I, I knew I was in the, like, episode 100 swing of things, I had mm. a few drinks. <laughs> and yeah. My new favourite thing to fire out on Twitter... Is things like Chris Chibnall could beat your dad up, <laughs> or your mum thinks about Chris Chibnall while she's kissing your dad. I cannot wait to see what you actually make of the Chris Chibnall era. I don't know. People, what if just you, take you stuff could, so you could seriously? End up completely recanting and be like, you know what? I was wrong. I shouldn't have even joked about it, guys. Do you know what? I, you know, I'll even say on the podcast if I don't like it. But not on yeah. Twitter, David. Never on Twitter. <laughs> yeah, it's. I'm fascinated to see when he stepped down, whenever that is, um, whether it goes the way of uh, of Moffat. Because believe it or not, people were saying the same things that they're now saying about Chibnall about Moffat when mm. he was in the, the driving seat. It seems to be just whoever is in charge of Doctor Who is. Doctor Who fandoms most wanted 
And the second they step down, everyone gets all nostalgic and 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 realizes how great they had it. Yeah. With that showrunner, it's such a bizarre phenomenon, and I've never understood it. It's only a certain percentage of the fandom, but unfortunately, they are the amongst the noisiest. It's okay because when we um, get to episode two hundred, I expect a lot of the emails and you know listener comments just to be like, mm. "Matt, you were right all along." <laughs> Not just about Chibbers, but Midnight as well. Just Doctor Who in general. We yeah. we we made a mistake. It's not actually that good a show. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> We've wasted an awful lot of time. When the Director General of the BBC rings me up to say they're relaunching Robot Wars, that that's when I'll know <laughs> I'm right. Yeah. Uh, uh, God, right where are we going next? It's going to be one of those. It is. So, um, you've got some uh, questions from our listeners. Yes. Yep. Yeah. Shall we segue Shall we, into uh, those? Well, let's do it. Let's do it. Because be, let's be honest, we've asked for questions from our listeners for since episode one of this podcast, mm-hmm. and over the years, we've barely had any. <laughs> I tell you what, a lot so of them came in yesterday. It's really nice that people have finally come through and, and gotten in touch with us. It's quite an exciting thing for me. Mm-hmm. Um. So yeah, thanks to everyone who's who's contacted us. Okay, so they're not in any specific order. Uh huh. And like I say, I'm omitting any questions about Robot Wars, and any sort of big Doctor Who questions that we could probably answer on the end of series wrap up if they're more appropriate there. Sure. So if people have sent questions and we haven't necessarily read them all out, don't panic. Yeah, we will get to them at a later okay. date, I am sure. But yeah. I am aiming to sort of acknowledge everyone here that has contacted us. Excellent. Okay. So, the first email we have is from Kimberly, who's been in touch a few times. She's really horrible to me when I was playing games on Twitter. And, <laughs> and she does open by saying, well done on the new Robot Wars podcast. Um, so, I'm going to skip her Robot Wars question and ask... Mm-hmm. If I could force you, David, to start a podcast about a program that you didn't like, but I loved, what would it be? Ooh, that's a good question. Now, I, I've put in my notes, I'm uncertain, because in all the time I've known you, the one thing that we really disagree on is Doctor Who. <laughs> yeah, we pretty much true. agree on everything else. So, if I started a program and it was something I wanted to watch, chances are you'd just like it. I mean, and you're the optimist like out it, of the two I, of us. You would like anything. I am. Let's be. Let, I would say I am someone who is generally predisposed towards liking mm. stories in general, whether that's that's books, TV, uh, radio, whatever. I like stories, and as someone who does dabble in creating, uh, you know, writing their own stuff, um, I. I appreciate how hard it is to do. Mm -hmm. So I try and always give creators the benefit of the doubt and be like, even if they don't get it perfect, I'm like, well, I can see what you're aiming for there. And that's actually quite interesting. And so I try to find the good in what I'm experiencing. But having said that, there is stuff that just doesn't gel with me and that I do struggle with. Um, What I will say is I'm, I have way bigger blind spots when it comes to movies than most people Mm -hmm. there are so many people movies that people uh you know praise the high heavens i'm just like well i've never watched it and i don't know whether i could be asked 
you know, I prefer long. I, I, I think the thing I struggle with with movies is it's quite a lot to take in in one sitting, but then it's done at the end of it. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas I prefer something a little more long form. Um, so I, I gravitate towards things like TV and radio serials and things like that, rather than sort of just one and done things. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so if you if you said like I don't know like the, the Terminator movies or something like that, I've, I've seen the first one and I only watched that two years ago, mm-hmm. maybe even less. It was after we started this podcast that I actually watched Terminator for the first time because I just I had an evening free and it was on Netflix and I was like. I should probably watch this. It's been long enough. The, the thing is, um, I think if I forced you to watch bad films, like yeah. I know everyone suggests like The Room and Troll 2, they're yeah. probably so bad we'd have a whale of a time watching them. Oh, well, well, I've watched The Room with some friends and, and yeah, I just, it was, it was a delight. Like last week I watched <laughs> X-Men Dark Phoenix. and was, I, I bet that was a slog. Honestly, how did that get made? It's sheer inertia, I yeah. think, is the answer for that one. Yeah. Um, uh, so maybe if we did a podcast, I'd make you watch RoboCop. Oh, I would love. I'd love an excuse to watch RoboCop. It's been like one of those things on my to-do list of about a thousand films for an incredibly long mm. time, and I don't know when I'll ever actually get round to it. But yeah, uh, a podcast would be the perfect excuse. And Kimberly also sh- says she's like a few episodes behind because she's studying Introduction to Criminal Law. So I thought maybe you could say some like well wishes, good luck on the course, and all that. But obviously, what, before what? we recorded, you said you didn't want to. So <laughs> I think your exact words were "damn and blast to hell with all of them," which I I didn't really think was in keeping with the spirit of things, but. <laughs> You know, it's a 50-50 venture, this. Um, well, good luck, Kimberly. Uh, honestly, anyone who does a proper degree has my absolute admiration. I went to an experimental arts college and farted around for three years and somehow walked out with a piece of paper that claims I've done a degree. So, yeah, anyone who actually does a proper difficult degree, you have my enormous admiration. Uh, it's it, it looks really hard. Good luck. See, that was better. Well done. (laughs) It only took us, uh, what, about 30 minutes to get that out of me. Yeah. Right, I'm going to move on to the next email. I'm to chop all that out of this episode. Yep. Okay, so the next email is from, well, it it was whovian-something at gmail.com. So I don't have a full name, so I apologise for that. Uh, And there's a lot of questions about Robot Wars, but I'm going to pick a couple out to ask. Okay. So, I've noticed with the unfortunate cancellation of the BBC's flagship show Robot Wars, you've also been dipping your toes into one of one of their more niche projects, Doctor Who. <laughs> you seem to be content not to be a fan, but out of curiosity, what do you think is the closest you felt to reaching that point? Whether oh, that be an really episode, a single moment, a certain lens, or viewpoint to watch it with or something else? And what do you think holds it back from being a classic like Robot Wars? Mm. I think probably the one thing I've really appreciated and felt a little bit like a Doctor Who fan was the news Eccleston's coming back. Yeah. 
that is the first experience of Doctor Who going back to what I consider like my version of classic Who. If that yes, makes sense. Yeah. You're, you're getting, you're, even though you didn't watch it on broadcast, it's so long ago for you now, that first series, that you or you can actually legitimately have some form of nostalgia for it. Mm. You know, like, if Sylvester McCoy just racked up, I wouldn't care. And I don't want to be one of those not-my-doctor assholes, but Eccleston was my first. Sure. And you never yeah, forget your sense. first time, David. No, you don't. No. You don't. So... Uh, that that was a big thing. I would say, as well, maybe tenants regeneration, because mm-hmm. my limited knowledge going into starting this project basically ended there. Yes, like yeah. I, I knew that he became Matt Smith, but I don't know anything about Smith's tenure really or anything like that. So yeah, yeah, uh, tenant was. Because Tenant was the peak in terms of it having mainstream saturation mm-hmm. in this iteration of, of Doctor Who. Um, I don't think it's ever gotten back to that sort of peak. So it was around more. Um, and uh, it's interesting because, of course, internationally, Matt Smith was much bigger than David Tennant. Oh, really? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the Matt Smith run was, like, huge in America. And I think if you... Ah, if you right. I, I thought you meant, sorry. Fans of us, I thought you meant prior to him becoming the Doctor. Oh, no, 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 no. Just, I mean, his run out on, on Doctor Who. Like, that's when it really started to hit big in America. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, but here in the UK, uh, yeah, Tennant was... I think for still is, for, 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 for most people, who they would maybe first think of, mm-hmm. uh, you know... And uh, he's I, essentially, I guess you would say he's sort of like the Tom Baker of New Who at this point. And one one and thing I would say is, I mean, I don't know how far away we are from this point. Is mm-hmm. I just from seeing it in things like the Radio Times, I was aware that Clara is a companion. Yeah. But I have no idea who the next one is, or the one after that, or the one after that. Like I know Bradley so, Walsh turns up at some point, so yeah. I'm a little bit excited to see where we go from there. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Um, so, uh, yeah, the, the the other part of that question, which I thought was interesting, is what, um, what do you think holds Doctor Who back from being, you know, a classic? What what, what would you say are its sort of fundamental flaws? It's just not very good. Them? It's just, just not so very good. It's like the the inconsistency, because uh, it is definitely yeah. An inconsistent I think I think that's show. probably you've hit the nail on the head there. Yeah, like if it was, even if it was just consistently good without being great. Yeah, but yeah. sometimes there's some real stinkers. I think I think that's the thing. It, to me, it's one of the biggest draws of the show in addition to being obviously a, a weak point at times is unlike say an ongoing narrative thing like stranger things or game of thrones where it's just like one endless story mm-hmm. with doctor who every story every one or two episodes it's like it's rolling the dice and seeing what we get this time you know and yeah that means sometimes you get some absolute disasters mm. but um yeah, that's part of what I find fascinating about it. So, the next question from Hoovian, and I'm going to let you take the lead on this one. 
So the question is, who would win in a fight between a Dalek and the house robots? Who do you think would win? Uh, so is it all the house robots? All the house robots. Dalek? So you'd have Sergeant Bash, Matilda, Dead Metal, yep. Sir Killalot. Killalot. The lot yep. of them. So the first thing to note, I think, is that the house robots are bigger than you think they are. Yes. Like, if you actually look at f- f- images, because you never really see them next to people, mm-hmm. um, but they are pretty massive, especially, like, Kill-A-Lot. Yeah. Kill-A-Lot is enormous. Um, and if they all ganged... And they've also got the fact... I, I think that the numbers are in their favour. Yeah. Because at the end of the day, the Dalek has one gun that it can point and shoot in one direction well, at a time. As as a seasoned fan of Robot Wars, yeah. you're not allowed projectile weapons. No. So, if we're talking about... I know it says who would win a fight, but if the, the rules of the fight are established Robot Wars rules, the, the house robots yeah, could win by disqualification. Or... <laughs> Or just, or just you disable the, the the gun, and then all it's got is the plunger. Yeah, well, you as the Dalek, you'd be trying to nudge the house robots into the pit, and I yes. think, I think, yeah. you know, but I suppose the Dalek could fly over the pit. There's no real risk of it falling down. That's true. You would, yeah, you'd never get the Dalek in the pit, but you could flip the Dalek. Mm. They they didn't have any house. They didn't have any flippers with the house robots. You're closest you had the uh, shunt. I was going to say Mat- like Matilda had a, a front uh, yeah, flipper. Yeah, but they're more like... it's what, They're not really flippers in in the sort of, you know, in the vein of, like, Chaos 2. Or my personal favourite uh, flipper of the classic era, um, we, and I think an underrated robot, Weedy Big Cheese. Oh, yes. Do you remember Weedy Big Cheese? Yeah. See, I know we said we're not going to talk about Robot Wars, but, (laughs) you know, since the opportunities (laughs) cropped up, why not? Yeah. Um, So, I'm going House Robots. Yeah, I think so. Especially if you have to disable the the gun, because, as you you know, you're perfectly right to point out, no projectiles, so really it shouldn't be allowed. It's not in the spirit of the fight. But what if it absorbed them through its plunger and it became like a Megazord? Well, I think it's gonna be it's gonna like Voltron, Dalek, Circular. We have seen that 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 plunger can like absorb all of the internet or something. But the house robots, in terms of like software, they're pretty primitive. Mm. So th- there's not going to be a lot for it to feast on there, is there? I th- I think that if it's all of them versus one Dalek. Sooner or later, they're going to be able to tip it over, and then it's it's useless because Daleks don't have a shriek, do they? No, no. That that stands for a self-writing mechanism for those of you that aren't experts on robot wars, like me and David. <laughs> Imagine if it was all the house robots versus a Dalek, but the Dalek wasn't in its armor. It was just like a pile of oh. meat on the floor getting smashed well, to bits. I mean, that would it would be over in seconds, wouldn't it? Yeah, I'd pay to watch that. <laughs> right, should we move to the next email? Uh, let's do it. Okay, so the next email comes from our bestest podcast friend, Jake from the Married to Who podcast. Hello. I, I've been giving them a little listen this week. Uh-huh. And I think, I was thinking about this last night when I was quite drunk, that they're the best good Doctor Who podcast and we're the best worst Doctor Who podcast. <laughs> 
that's the key difference, is it? Yeah, they do pretty much what we do, but they're good at what they do. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, do you know what? I'll start. I'll just read the, the whole thing. So, congrats on your 100th episode, boys. Thank you very much. Thank you indeed. On, on that note, David, yes. do you think there's anything you've ever done a hundred times in your life? Like, other than, like, yeah. eat and drink. Like, as a hobby. Uh, yeah, as a hobby. Like, I don't know if I've ever played a hundred games of football. What about D&D? Yeah, we've probably done that, because we've been playing that for years together. But that that doesn't feel as big an accomplishment. I mean, it definitely isn't. Um, I don't think so. I think this is the most... Because I, I am one of those people who is very good at starting projects and very bad at finishing them. Mm -hmm. I've always got new ideas for stuff I want to do. And I will usually get about two weeks into it and then get distracted by the next thing. Mm -hmm. I mean, I don't know if I've talked about this on the podcast. This isn't even my first attempt at a Doctor Who podcast. Oh, dear. (laughs) I did actually uh, do another one, or at least attempt another one, with some other friends. Um friends that I, I had from uni and it, it was an excuse for me to kind of keep in touch with them and 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 because we you know we'd scattered in that way that people do post uni um and uh, i was like this will be a great way to keep us together and keep us in contact we lasted until uh aliens of london oh really <laughs> yeah four episodes i mean I, one of the things i was going to ask but i, I was worried we'd be stuck for time is yeah. I thought maybe, in your own words, you could tell the story of how we started this podcast. Oh, yeah, okay. I mean, I can do. If if I remember it correctly, feel free to interject. Yeah. So, basically, you know, we'd known each other for a while. We'd been playing D&D and other board games and stuff together for, for, for a few years. And one, things we, one of the things we knew we had in common was we both liked podcasts. And we would occasionally talk about some of what we've been listening to in terms of podcasts. And you sort of wistfully said to me once, oh, I wish I could do a podcast. And that kind of stuck in my brain because I've also had that same thought. I think anyone who listens to enough podcasts sooner or later, you get that tickle in the back of your brain. Like, oh, I could do that. That, that looks fun. Um, and it is. Um, and it's not actually that hard to do, so do do it. You know, the world definitely does you, need You more say podcasts. it's not that hard to do. I don't think our podcast was any good till about episode 80. <laughs> okay, it, what I mean is it's not hard to record literally any audio and upload it on the yeah. internet. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, so, so that kind of stuck with me. And... I was, I, and then I was thinking, like, well, if I were to do a podcast with that, what would it be? And I was thinking, well, I mean, I have endless capacity for talking about Doctor Who. And I don't think Matt is much of a fan of Doctor Who. I didn't know the extent to which you had no interest in Doctor Who mm-hmm. until I actually approached you and said, hey, how would you feel about what if we did a podcast and we talked about Doctor Who? Like, have you have, have you seen much Doctor Who? And you said to, to me that you'd never seen it. And I was just, I was floored by that. But then I was like, well, that's perfect then. That's it. We have to do this now. <laughs> so it happened very kind of, kind of quite organically, really, mm. didn't it? Um, I mean, does that sound, is that how you remember I it? I mean, you, you've... 
remembered it with more detail than I do. I, I, <laughs> yeah. I thought you were literally going to say, because my recollection is one day I said, oh, I think I might do a podcast. And my, my thought at the time, it was before I'd met my wife yeah. and I was living at home and I mean, I had a, a pretty good job, still do. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I just felt there was something more I could be doing. And yeah. at the time, um, again, just because I was living at home and didn't have anything better to do, I was really investing a lot of money and time into comic books. Yeah. Um, you know, buying, buying classics and, you know, really trying to educate myself and read up on them. So mm-hmm. initially, my thought was that I could maybe try something like that. Yeah. But I don't know whether it was I didn't have the motivation or the confidence. But it just never happened. And then one yeah, day yeah. I mentioned to you, and I, I don't know, the conversation just was like, um, I've thought of doing this, and that was it. And then the next time, I think I saw you maybe a couple of weeks later, the thought had developed more in my mind, and likewise with you. And you just yeah. said, hey, are you, you know, you're still thinking about this. And when I said yes, you proposed the idea. And then... Mm-hmm. I think once you proposed the idea, it was actually quite a while before we really cemented a plan. It, it might have been. I mean, obviously, at the time this was all happening, I was also expecting uh, yeah, yeah. my son. So uh, I mean, um, I vividly remember one evening yeah. where I was just texting you silly potential names for a Doctor Who podcast. Yeah, you were very insistent that it had to be some kind of a pun. Yeah, yeah. well, that's like, that because I literally the, know nothing really... about the show. Yeah. So I was like, I know he does stuff in time and space. Yeah. So. Yeah, I'm quite pleased with the title we ended up with, actually. Yeah. It, of, of the many things I regret about this podcast, that is not one of yeah. them. Yeah. So, yeah. That that's pretty much how it started. And then just one day, yeah. I think you pretty much just text me and said, "Read, uh, not read, sorry, watch this episode." And yeah. I'm pretty certain at the beginning, you know, we released maybe the first two or three episodes together. So I think so. Something. Like I think that. there was, you know, we tried to bank a couple and just and, kind of find our feet. But, and anyone you know. that's listening to this will notice that we used to record two episodes each sitting. So we used to watch two episodes of Fortnite and do one big recording. Yeah, and that the was problem the I found was kind of more practical for me from a from a parenting standpoint and but, stuff, not uh, sacrificing just one evening. I think the problem was we sort of blew our load on the first episode we were talking about and then yeah. some of the second episodes suffered a bit. Um I think possibly, yeah. But, uh, you know, I think we... I don't regret doing what we had to do in order to do it when we did. Yes. And I feel like if we hadn't started it when we did, it would never have happened. No, no, you're And that's my big advice to anyone who is thinking about doing a podcast. If you've got the idea, you've got the people, you know what you're doing, just grab whatever device you can find to record on and just start. Yeah. Exactly. And try not to worry too much about it because it's it's like anything. The more you do it, the easier it gets, and uh, yeah, you just you just need to at a certain point just say sod it, let's do it. Yeah. yeah. So should we go back to the letter? Let's do that. Yes. Okay. So we were reading that. Just yeah. a reminder. So this is Jake from the Married to Who podcast, 
And he says, we've all been listening to the podcast since we discovered it a few weeks ago. And he says he's personally binged about 70 episodes so far. That's unhealthy, man. I mean, he listens to them whilst he's at work, <laughs> so that's that's less unhealthy. Oh, I, I dread to think what your productivity rates are being like. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, and he says that he's worried that I'm making him hate the show. So he's done two questions, one for me, one uh-huh. for you. Uh, okay. To me, he asks... I'm curious to find out at which point Matt spoiled the surprises for himself. So mm. there's two big things that I've yeah. spoiled for myself. Yeah. Or I have been exposed to spoilers. Yeah. The first is the final episode of Rory and Amy, uh, yeah. Angels Take Manhattan. Because yeah. as I put out on the pod at the time, when you log into BBC iPlayer, it just tells you. Right next to the play <laughs> button, it says, the Doctor says a heartfelt goodbye to Rory and Amy. What, just such a baffling decision. And I don't know why they did that. You know, I didn't see that coming before that no. episode. You know, I just so thought it was going to be another that. silly episode because it was mid-season. Yeah, yeah, you would have had no reason to think that. Um but anyway, yeah. And the second, and I can't remember, I, I vividly remember this when we recorded the episode, was when we were doing Asylum of the Daleks, right, uh, at yeah. one point where, is she Oswin at that point? She is, yes. I yeah. think at one point you say, oh, the Doctor talks to Clara, and I had to yeah, correct you and say, oh, it's Oswin, <laughs> it's not Clara yet. And that's because when I was doing some research and Googled Oswin, it was like... Mm. She is a derivative of Clara, and I was just, yeah, you know, that's. I mean, I, I I try so hard to stop you googling stuff, but at the end of the day, I, it's like you know, I can't I can't set a permanent guard on you at all times to stop you uh, poking around on TARDIS Wikia and all the rest of it. Um, but I mean, the big but, ones I haven't been exposed to. I'm so um, I'm amazed. You know this this whole John Hurt the War Doctor and yeah. the reappearance of the Eighth Doctor and everything like that. I didn't have yeah. an idea. I would say I so haven't. You know, one. I didn't know what Bad Wolf was. I didn't know what the face of Bo's Secret was. Yeah, so there's there's lots you still have managed to avoid, and hopefully we can keep that going because there are some more big twists and turns along the way that I would love f- to keep you unspoiled on. So we'll, mm. we'll see how we go. Yeah. Because um, I, I would say I know yeah. less about the show from this point going forward than I did about what we've watched so far. Yeah, I think it's it's, it's funny, isn't it? Like even though it's 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 closer, it's you know it's closer in time to where we are now. I think it's penetrated less in the wider media. Mm. So for for whatever reason, so I think it it it's become a more more of a cult show. I think in a similar trajectory to what happened with the, with the classic series. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, right. yes. Shall we continue? Let's do it. So, Jake also says, Stephen Moffat was saddled with a task that was impossible, and I think he did as well as anyone could have, in reference to the 50th anniversary. Yeah. To yeah. make a special that celebrated the past 50 years while still having a compelling story. And then he cites the five Doctors, which I'm guessing mm. didn't have. That's... I would like to. I would like us to watch it one day. So I won't say too much about the five doctors, okay. um, I, but I, I guess it's you could call it a curate's egg. 
right. a story. Uh, he says it moves the mythology forwards for the future of the show and was a marvel of storytelling. It was more than mm. enough to forgive him for dropping the ball on the rest of Series 7 and any other quibbles one might have with him. Now then, um, can I unpack that a little bit? Because I would like to gently challenge Jake on what I think is quite a common piece of sort of received fan wisdom in that Series 7 was mostly crap and it was because Stephen Moffat wasn't able to give it as much attention as he would have liked because he was concentrating on writing Day of the Doctor. Now, Moffat has said in interviews that like he was more hands-off around Series 7 for that reason. Um, so it's not coming from nowhere, and I get why people say it, but what I would like to push back on is that I don't think Series 7 is that bad. I, I think I the think first half's pretty above, good. I think it's a big step above Series 6. You say first half, but even in the second half, you've got the Snowmen, you've got Hyde, you've got uh, Crimson Horror. I think there's some really fun episodes I, in, in the back half of Series 7. I, I, I felt the second half was a little bit disjointed. Definitely. And, and it's it's not without its clunkers. I think the whole... The impossible girl arc around Clara, whilst, whilst I see why it was necessary for what Moffat wanted to do with the reveal of the War Doctor, it doesn't... It does Clara a disservice as a character. And I think it means... Because obviously the companion is usually our sort of point of view character for the show. It's, you know, they, they are what bridge us as viewers to the world of the Doctor, basically. And by making Clara into a puzzle and a cipher, it sort of means that we can't relate to her in the same way we could with other companions. Yeah, I definitely. And I think that's one of the things that that really does harm that back end of series. You seven. know, I I've been pretty critical of Martha as a companion, but yeah. that was more like a swing and a miss for me. Yeah. Whereas yeah. with Clara, I just don't really get where we're going and what the intention is. I don't. I don't blame you. I think a lot of people are in the same boat at this point. Um, and yeah, I don't think it's I don't think it's Jenna Coleman's fault, and I do I you know I do blame the writing and the, and the creative choices made around her as a character. Mm-hmm. Uh, that all being said, um, like yeah, I do just as I want as I say, I think ser- I would rank series seven at, at the very least above series six. I think mm-hmm. it's whilst it has maybe a less cohesive series arc, the actual episodes themselves I find more solidly entertaining than a lot of series six. So. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah. just to continue that message then, final mm-hmm. part is a question to you, David. I'd like to ask what David would be interested in seeing for a potential 60th anniversary special. I personally Ooh. don't care to see classic Doctors return, but would love to see them just bang in as many classic companions as possible. <laughs> it would be fun to see them interact, and you don't have to make up a reason for them looking older. Yeah. He yeah. then says, um, keep up the good work, here's to 100 more episodes. That's the end of the oh. message. Well, thank you. That's, that's a lovely email and a really interesting question. Um, what do I want from a 60th? Um, I don't think it needs to be on the scale of the day of the Doctor. That would be my first thing. I think trying to repeat the success of... Oh, well, we'll find out whether Matt thinks it's a success or not later in this episode. Um, but I, you know, I'll put cards on the table. I do. I really like this story. Um 
I think it, it is a very good celebration of the show. I don't think you need to put as much pressure on yourself if you're writing the 6th Death. Um, because it's not as significant a date. Uh-huh. The show is in a different place to where it was back then. I think you could just have some fun. So I would try and... I would suggest don't try and do any lore-shifting big stuff. Um just make it more of a of a jolly celebration and yeah i i think it, it's a good idea having lots of classic companions uh, and and also not just from classic who but by the time we get to the 60th we'll be in real proper nostalgia territory for rtd era stuff mm. so you know give us mickey back and uh, yeah mickey and martha mm. as as a duo let's have some proper time with them and catch up with them see where they are now that they're you know see what later what i would life. propose and i i don't know whether this would be possible cuz yeah. how how far are we off the 60th oh um let's think we're about 3 years That's a, it yeah. might be 2023 my, my yeah. idea going back to an adventure in space and time yeah. Is I would remake an unearthly child with David Bradley and do it all with all the special effects and modern hoo ha's and, you know, get really good modern actors and oh. actresses and just do it as like a little little special. That would be quite fun. I mean, I think a lot of a lot of fans would be put, have their noses put out and join oh, they, because... Yeah. <laughs> we know what they're like. We do, we do indeed. But it would it would be interesting to see uh, David Bradley actually playing not not playing William Hartnell, but actually playing the first Doctor. Yeah, yeah. That I would mean, be I just had a look on idea. Wikipedia because he's uh, seventy eight I mean, years old. Yeah, so. let's let's not read his Wikipedia too closely now. I, I, I'm just looking at a picture <laughs> of him. I only wanted to know how old he was. Okay, I'm just saying we were, <laughs> what were we just talking about with you googling stuff. Yeah. Right, so on to the next set of questions. And these are, rather than long emails, Uh just a selection of questions. Okie doke. Okay. So the first one is from enemy of the podcast, Tim Riley. Hello, Tim. Who says, will there ever be a boy born who can swim faster than a shark? Yes. Let's move on. So the next set of questions all come from a listener who has asked that we don't read their name out. That's absolutely fine. I don't like being associated mm-hmm. with this either. So, <laughs> and I think the first question's directed to me, but I'm sure you can answer as well, David. How does your view of Doctor Who now compare to your view of it from the periphery before properly watching? What about your prior assumptions turned out to be right? And what's changed your view, both for the better and the worse? I would love to hear your answer to that. That's... I think before starting, I thought this was like a silly, you know, jaunt to the television show. And I would say my biggest mm-hmm. change is I respect the ability to tell a story. Like yeah. a meaningful, heartfelt story. Mm-hmm. One thing it's that hasn't just... changed is I still consider it a silly jaunt of a television program. Yeah, that's the kind of great paradox with Who, isn't it? Is that it is a, a load of campy nonsense, but you can take it seriously if you want to. There is capacity yeah. for it to do that. Um, 
and the best thing is to just kind of appreciate it for both. I think yeah. it's would, something that you can you can enjoy on a lot of different levels. Would you say you've had any of your opinions changed whilst we've been doing this? Because obviously I you like passionately enjoyed the show mm, beforehand. I've certainly had them challenged, mm. and there have been certain episodes that I've been colder on previously, or have warmed to more over time. I think it. Like, for example, take an episode like The Doctor's Wife. Now, before we started this podcast, I just unabashedly loved that story and didn't really understand why anyone would dislike it. Mm. But hearing you, as someone who is not an actual card-carrying capital F fan, kind of push back on it and and make me realise it is very self-indulgent, isn't it? Mm. (laughs) You know... And, and, and yeah, the, the show can get very self-indulgent sometimes. Um, and that's maybe not a good thing. Um, I don't know. I mean, I loved, yeah, I loved Doctor Who before I started this podcast. I still love Doctor Who. I, uh, If anything, my, my passion for it has just deepened. And I think I, I, I haven't found like the bottom of the well yet. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like I, every time I think I probably... I'm already spending too much of my life thinking and reading and watching stuff in relation to Doctor Who. I, I've probably reached capacity. I find I never quite have. <laughs> so um, I don't know. Yeah, I think it's just been it's been really nice f- for this podcast as, as as a means of really on a weekly basis reconnecting with my love of the show. And, yeah, and kind of giving it a good old poke. And so, like uh, one one thing I I would say that I I've changed my view about the show as well. Yeah. Is I I don't know. I think at the beginning I almost had a reluctance and like unwillingness to enjoy the show. Yeah. And whereas now, you know, when it's good, I enjoy it. Yeah, yeah. It's just, it's like, you've just got to kind of ride the wave with it, haven't you? It's quite funny, because, like, I I usually have a bit of a back and forth with Kimberly, the listener who we talked about earlier, about whether or not I'm a Doctor Who fan. Yeah. And I'm like, I've probably watched more Doctor Who than a lot of people that consider themselves fans. Definitely. And I think everyone is, at any point, you can watch one episode of Doctor Who, and if you love that one episode of Doctor Who and you want to call yourself a Doctor Who fan, then you are. I am not a fan of gatekeeping around the fandom, and it's something you see a lot, like, you're not a fan if you haven't watched every classic story. It's like those people that tell people they're the worst type of Doctor Who fan. Exactly. They're awful, yeah, aren't I've got they? No t- I've got no time for it. Um, so yeah, I, I, would you come on then? Cards on the table. Would you call yourself a fan of Doctor Who? Do, do you know what? Even though we're at episode one hundred, I, I think my passion is this podcast rather than the show. That makes sense. If if, if you said, "Oh Matt, I've decided we're talking we're, from now on, we're going to be a Top Gear podcast," and we're not, <laughs> you know, I don't want a hundred emails about our new podcast about Top Gear. Yeah. You know, yes. you, re- you mention Robot Wars once or twice, and people <laughs> really do take liberties. Um, uh-huh. But yeah, I, I would enjoy, you know, just connecting and communicating with a friend rather than watching the program. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I still sort of treat Doctor Who as like a means to an end. That's understandable. Mm. 
Um, you know, maybe we'll check back in another hundred episodes, see if you've uh, changed your, your answer there. But uh, so yeah, I'm going to m- read the next question, and I'm going to modify it when I ask you, David. Okay. So favorite and least favorite episode of Doctor Who so far. Relatedly, what's your favorite episode of the podcast, either to record mm-hmm. or listen back on? So for you, obviously, favorite and least favorite. You, you maybe had favorites prior to recording this. So which, yes, which episodes yeah. have you had your perception altered most on, whether that be good or bad? Mm. Is there an old episode you thought was rubbish and now you really like it? Um, I, I'm trying to think. I don't think there's any... The, uh, the ones that I thought were bad have still turned out to be bad. Mm. I, don't, I think I warmed a lot more to Love and Monsters... Uh, on when we watched it for the podcast than than I had previously, mm. I managed to find the good in it, and that kind of firmed up for me a theory I'd been toying with of like trying to draw a distinction between straight up bad episodes and and what I call like more noble failure to kind of bad episodes. Um, and I've also mentioned like Doctor's Wife. I think that that was a really interesting experience for me. Hearing you, I fully expected to go into that one and to to be for that to be one of the ones where you would be like, ah, oh, yeah, no, that was pretty good. But you just didn't like it. <laughs> no. I, I didn't know what to do with that. And I guess mid, I mean Midnight. I still feel like you were trolling me on that one. I don't know. I don't. I I don't. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if that answers the question or not. Um, my my absolute favourite episode of Doctor Who, we've, uh, uh, of certainly the modern series, we've still not gotten to. So oh, really? we'll have to sort of, yeah, we'll have to sit tight on that for a little while longer. Um, in terms of favourite, I think Blink's a very special episode for me. That was one, mm. even if it's not necessarily the best, it was the one I've been looking forward to. It yes. was the one I, I was I, aware of. And I would say Blink is one of the easiest ones to point to and say that is just an objectively good piece of television. Yeah. You know, it it, it really... It, the flaws that it has are so minor as to be insignificant, um, which you can't always say about Doctor Who. And another one that I really, really like is the season one finale. That was the first episode... I remember watching and thinking, this is really good. Yeah. And also, Tenant's Regeneration, that was the first one I remember watching when he said, I don't want to go. And I was like, yeah. I-, I don't want you to go. <laughs> that amazing and emotional thing. It, it, it's funny because I, I have such a different feeling about that one just because, first of all, I think the end of time is, is just a delirious mess of a two-parter. <laughs> Um, and whilst there is some great stuff in there, there is a lot of just really baffling creative choices that make it hard for me to watch and enjoy. And also, because David Tennant is not one of my favourite Doctors, mm-hmm. he's he, I don't, I've never done a definitive Doctors ranking, and I'm, I'm, I'm resistant to do that for a long while yet, but he's definitely towards the bottom of the pack for me right uh for a few different reasons but um so i never get as emotional watching his regeneration as other people i'm always just like yeah come on <laughs> bring on that smith yeah because uh, especially he's had that he had the longest run of any new who doctor so by the time i get to the end of time if i'm doing a full watch through i'm like okay i am ready for you to go now uh what about f- episodes of the podcast i would say 
Uh, I, I listened back to episode one when I knew we were doing episode 100. Yeah. And I, I don't think I'm going to go back and listen to more old episodes. Was it, we, was it excruciating? Well, we were just finding our feet. and Yeah, yeah. And, you know, I think we were trying to be, like, your typical podcast hosts. You know, like, we're very polite and we... You know, <laughs> and then I think more, as it's gone on more and more, and we've just been ourselves, it's better. Yeah, I think that's true. But it takes a while to to kind of get that relaxed. I think mm. in what is essentially a slightly unnatural situation of having a chat, but recording it and releasing it for the rest of the world to listen to. In terms, that is a strange thing to do. In terms of favourite, I, yeah. I like the season one finale where I first laden you with gifts. Um, yeah, that was. Yeah. And I like the one where you sang. That was nice. We're nearly uh, at five thousand yeah. downloads, so warm up your vocal cords. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Do- Next question. Don't ask how, but if each of you somehow got to be showrunner for a series, what would you do with it? And he specifies, I'm not allowed Ooh. to cancel the show. Yeah. Um, it depends. It, I, I mean, do, do you want to start, Matt? I've got, I've got so many thoughts. I could do two hours on this, but you, you start. Um, I don't really know. I, I'd almost take it in a bit of a like, quite like a Star Trekky style feel, where rather than constantly saving the world, if they're just on like an exploration, that'd be quite mm. good. Like, I, yeah. I quite like the idea of. I mean, where the doctor's on Earth and working with Unit in that way. Yeah, so sort of like a a, a Pertwee era reboot. Yeah, something like that would be pretty cool. Mm. I've had a vague thought in my head for a long time. Of I think that I think would be interesting, but I, it's probably so fanficy that it wouldn't actually make for good Doctor Who. Um, but I've always had an interesting thought of like, what if you had an enormous time jump? If we didn't go straight from one regeneration into the next, this would work well. I think if the show had been off the air for a while, maybe, mm-hmm. and I was doing pulling an RTD and reviving it, so I didn't necessarily have to have that transition between the last Doctor and the current one. Um, but maybe starting with a Doctor who is attempting to retire. Or sort of a bit like what you've got with um, the snowmen, where where the eleventh Doctor is just you know, minding has, his own business, has lost Amy and Rory, and has just kind of been like, "I've had enough of this." But have that maybe dragged out a little bit longer, like continually resisting adventure. And the the, the thought I had with it um, was specifically if they they decided in a way in a as a means of resisting adventure, if they decided to like settle down in Northamptonshire in the mid nineteen nineties. Oh, if they did it a little bit later, I'd have been at uni there. Yeah. Well, I was thinking specifically because, of course, I grew up in Northamptonshire in the mid nineteen nineties, and my my whenever I think back to that, I just picture bleak, grey, yeah, dullness. It, it was such a boring place to grow up, and. Um, it's just i feel like if you, if it's of anywhere in the world it's one of the places where you're least likely to find something interesting happen yeah. 
So like that was that's my vision for a starting point. You've got a doctor who has had enough and has told themselves that they're like, I'm not doing this anymore. And they've got like a grubby little bed sit and the TARDIS is in the garage with a tarpaulin over it. And, you know, they're just trying to live this low-key, miserable life, feeling sorry for themselves. And slowly but surely, things start happening and pull them in. And maybe you do that over the course of a few episodes. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't know. I, you know, there's, the, the, the joy of Doctor Who is that it is unlimited potential. Your only limit... The limitations start to come in when you start to think about actual budget and, you know, casting and, you know, and that will dictate the shape of the, the stories that you tell. But on paper, you have a character who can never die with a magic box that can take them anywhere in time and space. Mm. There is no premise that is more unlimited, <laughs> you know, than that, I think. And that is you know, one of the, the the things I love most about this show is that there's always potential to do something that's never been done before. Okay, so next question. What do you enjoy and what do you dislike about this project? <laughs> um, do you want to answer that first or do you want me to? Uh, I'll go first. In terms of enjoyment, yeah. uh, certainly the state the world's in now, I've really, really appreciated having like a set time every week where I just have a friend to talk to. <laughs> you know, that has been nice. In the times yeah. where you literally not allowed to see people, you know, yeah. I've probably spoken yeah. to you more than most people. Yeah. So I've enjoyed that in terms of dislike. Uh, I don't like it. And this is my own fault. If I've mm. put off watching an episode and it gets to a Friday evening and I'm knackered from work, and all I want mm. to do is veg, and I have to watch 45 minutes, or occasionally over an hour, of Doctor Who. <laughs> yeah, it can be a chore sometimes. There, there are certain episodes that I know are coming up, and I'm just like, oh, God. J- most recently, Journey to the Centre of the TARDIS. Oh, yeah. I was not looking forward to that one. And I, I'm very fastidious in not trying not to tell you whether in advance whether I like an episode or not, so you don't have that same dread of knowing... What you're going to be watching a crap one. Mm. Um, but I kind of have that. So there have been certain episodes where I'm just like, oh God, I guess I've got to do this now. Um, so yeah, I would relate to that. And, and and the other thing you said in terms of one of the, the positives, going even before lockdown, I mean, lockdown, it, it's definitely been an, an amazing sort of point of stability in a very uncertain time for me and that's been nice but even because we started it before my son was born and it's been so nice to have just one thing that's for me Mm. that I can do every week and you know, and and my my partner as well. You know, she has things like that as as well. We 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 are. And top tip for anyone who who is thinking of becoming a parent, it is a good way to stay sane. Is is to just you're not going to be able to do everything that you used to be able to do. You you, you won't have the time for that. But find one thing and stick to it, and and that becomes the light at the end of the tunnel when you're having a tough week. Um, 
Uh, I mean, of course, you know, <laughs> I make it sound like I hate my son. <laughs> I love him. I love spending time I can't time believe with him. how big he was when I saw him yesterday. Yeah, he has got big yeah. since you last saw him, for mm. sure. I, yeah. I, I do need to apologise again. Um, the listeners don't need to know this, but pretty much the first thing that happened when I came to see you yesterday was I stepped through your garden gate and your dog ran out of it. <laughs> yeah, I was just like, oh happen. dear. I should have told you to close the gate, but I um I was also running I was running on about four hours sleep, and I can't even blame my kid for that. That was just pure insomnia. So I was you found me like a complete zombie after a full day of work and almost no sleep. Um, so yeah, I was just sort of stood there, be like, oh, "Hi, Matt, thanks for the gift," and then and then all of a sudden, my dog is just yeah, legging it out <laughs> into the road. Right. Last question from this stream then. Yeah. One episode of the podcast has been put aside to talk about something else. What would each of you use the opportunity to cover? Oh, wow. I don't know. I mean, um, I, I'd probably use it to help you find your faith again. <laughs> yeah, good luck with that. Uh, um, so that that question was asked by the person that submitted this stream as well as Kimberly. So um, I think I don't know. Does it have to be a TV show or could, could be could anything? It be like anything? Could be whatever you want. Um, Today's your special day. It's episode one hundred. You know what I would love to do because because the thing is one of the one of my motivations for doing this as well. This is the kind of personality I am. Is I, if I love something. I want other people to love it too. So I, I genuinely, I do want you to love Doctor Who, Matt. I, I've, give, I've given up hope. I don't think you will. But when I started this, I thought we were going to, you were going to like have that experience of, despite yourself, falling in love with this show. And that just hasn't happened. But I would love to do that with something else that I'm passionate about as well. So um, I guess maybe... Westboro Baptist Church? Maybe Progressive Rock. Oh, oh, your other interest, yeah, progressive rock. Yeah, yeah. So I would, I would like maybe pick two or three albums and make you listen to them, and uh, like I don't know, like Close to the Edge by Yes, and maybe some, maybe a slightly deeper cut, something like Freehand by Gentle Giant or something like that. Some, so like really difficult, awkward mm. music, um, and see if it clicks with you. Um, because, yeah, I am extremely passionate about prog, and, uh, yeah, I don't have anyone to talk to about it, because most people quite rightly find it a bit self-indulgent and weird. So, uh, uh, if it was me, I don't know, I'd maybe cook you a nice meal, and then we could discuss it. I'd be up for that. That sounds like a very low effort from from my perspective. just something like that. (laughs) Like... I don't know. Uh, Other than like watching Doctor Who, my main hobbies in terms of television at the moment are watching Countdown and the Cookery Channel. So <laughs> I don't think we could. I don't think we could stretch a podcast about Countdown. Like, oh God, can you believe he didn't get that number round? Nightmare. Uh, and the answer would be, in nine times out of ten would be, would be <laughs> yes, yes. I, I can't believe that because I am. Uh, how are you at the numbers round on camera? I'm better at the numbers hopeless. than the letters. Yeah. Really? I'm the other way around. And that's funny because, like, you know, for my day job, like, half of my job is just mm. spreadsheets. 
but um, uh, but I mean, then I've got the benefit of like if I need someone to if I need to do some hard sums, I tell the computer oh, yeah. to do them. <laughs> I don't have to do them myself. Right. Um, so that wraps up the questions and the emails. Thank you, everyone that submitted. Oh, fantastic. It is greatly appreciated. That was really fun. That was really fun. My computer's and, uh, just yeah, we're it's about just an ticked hour over in. to one hour fifteen minutes. We still got the episode to go, <laughs> but I thought we could maybe do poetry competition. <laughs> Let's do it. I'm really genuinely excited. So what, for this. what I thought we would do is read the listener submissions and choose a winner. Yes. And then we yep. would each reveal our poems. Let's just, go for just it. Just before we start, yeah. how long's your poem? Longish, not as long as yours, right. I don't think. Okay, so the first submission is again from enemy of the show, mm-hmm. Tim Riley, and he's written a poem yep. about the master. Okay, so I imagine death so much it feels like a memory. Is this where it gets me? On my feet? Several feet ahead of me? I see it coming. Do I run or find my gun or let it be? There is no beat, no melody. Doc, my first friend, my enemy. Maybe the last face I ever see. If I throw away my shot, is this how you'll remember me? What if this bullet is my legacy? Well, we have a problem there, David, because that's from fucking Hamilton. Mm Mm-hmm. As if I wouldn't spot that. <laughs> it, it's one thing... You're accusing uh, Tim Riley of plagiarism. It's there. one thing for him to send messages disagreeing with my views on Doctor Who, but the poetry <laughs> competition is sacred. <laughs> you don't mess with a man and his poetry competition. <laughs> okay, so immediately disqualified. Okay, Agreed. Um, Shall I read the next one? You can. So uh, this is from uh, the listener who you lost their email address. No, Uh, no, no. Their email address was whovian something at Gmail. It just didn't have a real name on it. All right. Okay. So uh, anonymous listener, here is a haiku so I can keep listening. Please don't hurt me, Matt. Because you were threatening people that if they didn't submit a poem, they... they, uh, can no longer listen to the show. I hope he means right? when it says "don't hurt me," that means he'd be pained if he couldn't listen to the show. Because I don't think I'm a threatening person. I mean, I know I swear and I'm fairly aggressive, but I don't think I made a threat to anyone's life. Now, um, if we if we're talking in in terms of um, uh, potential disqualifications, yeah, is listening. Two or three syllables to you? Uh, I don't know. If I'm, I'll use it in a sentence and we can decide. Yeah. So I'm currently listening to you talk. So I'd say two. Two. Oh dear. So here is a haiku, five syllables. So I can keep listening. If we count that as two, that's only six syllables. Wow. Mm. Is this disqualification number two? <laughs> it could be. It could be a rollover <laughs> to the next great poetry. I, I'm, I'm not disqualifying that. I, I don't think, I think I'm it an very authority. Much depends on the, uh, it depends on the accent, and I, I am just splitting hairs. Right. Um, do, do you want to read the next one? 
I can read the next one. It's another short one. It's from... Uh... So it's from Frank, whose handle is yeah. Passion Fruit Scented Jar Candle. Yeah. Um, so, Matt hated Midnight. His opinion is not right, but he thinks it's shite. Like I say, you say one bad thing about Midnight and they come out in their droves. I'll tell you what, out of every episode that you've dissed, that's probably... It's the one I get most it's, aggro about. It's It would be, like, could you imagine a world in which you'd talked for 45 minutes about how much you hate Blink? Yeah. It's almost like that. People really love Midnight. People need to get a grip. <laughs> okay, so... That that was Frank's first submission. Yep. But then he's gone big for his second submission. Mm. Are we allowing two submissions? Uh, or is or is that another grounds of disqualification? Right. We'll allow it this time, but next time we're going to set some very very clear rules because we can't disqualify everyone. <laughs> it's going to end up I'm, with I'm just... me winning my own prizes. <laughs> okay. Go on. Right. We we could do this a verse at a time if you wanted. Ah, all right then. Uh, do you want to start or go second? Uh, you start because. Um, okay. Yeah. So it's in the form of limericks. Mm hmm. So, David has a friend called Matt who enjoys Doctor Who and all that. So, until Matt finally chokes, they'll watch and make jokes about David fucking a cat. Bad Wolf drove Matt to insanity. The face of Bo drove him to profanity. And space-time is broken, the Pandorica will open, and David will hate on Christianity. David hoped he'd enjoy it when they began. But it takes more than midnight to please that man. If you have any care or passion to share, you're the worst kind of Doctor Who fan. <laughs> fucking midnight. That is, that's some top, top work. That's good stuff. There, there is a final oh, there's verse. Another, there's a, there is. Oh, yes. All right. Uh, now, 100 episodes have run, converting your misery to fun. There's more yet to face on neither the time nor the space, because there's more Doctor Who tosh yet to come. So, good stuff there. I mean, I, I don't like want to discourage one. the other entries, but that, mm. that's the winner for me. It's a, It's a contender. Well, that, well, that's it. That's all that... of them. The next one on that well, document is mine. Oh, don't okay read it. Then. So, so we, so Tim Riley disqualified. Yeah. Hoovian, it's a haiku, but is it a haiku? It's all right. I'm glad you're the one being horrible, not me. <laughs> Makes a change, doesn't it? But we're in my wheelhouse now. Mm. I. <laughs> um. Yeah. It's it, um, second entry from from Frank is is a clear winner. Okay, so, so. congratulations. Do you, did you settle on on an idea for a prize for this? Uh, I was just going to send all those old Doctor Who manuals and stuff that I bought that I don't want in my house. So just a, just a big pile of crap. Yeah, it's probably going to be a random assortment from my man cave. <laughs> there might be some pens and stuff in there. So do well you, done, Frank. Do you know you've, what? you've won yourself. <laughs> Can can I just go off on a tangent? Yeah, yeah Speaking go on. about things that I don't want in my house. Mm -hmm. um, after last week, I did win the Doctor Who annual on eBay, and it, <laughs> and it arrived this morning, and it yeah. smells rotten. <laughs> <laughs> I, 
I opened it up just to have a quick flick through, and as I like brushed the pages, it um. wafted the most disgusting smell. Um, so so there's a good chance that time. could be winging its way to you there, Frank. Congratulations. So it's it's not um, it's not that sort of charming old book smell. No, I think the person who had it before me was definitely a smoker. Oh, like, grim. The pages are pretty brown. To be fair, 1960s, who wasn't a smoker then? Yeah. If you were the, over the age of six, you were probably on at least 20 a day. Yeah, it is not pleasant. I've just got it with me now. I'll just take a big sniff. It smells like a garden shed. <laughs> oh, you know when you cut your grass and you haven't properly washed out your mm. like grass box on your lawnmower? Yeah. It smells like that. Maybe that's just maybe that's just your sort of classic Doctor Who fan smell. No, there's maybe his, that's they, just... they normally smell of lack of deodorant. <laughs> Alrighty then. Right, um, so who, who, the... Out of the two of us, who's going to read their poem first? Uh, shall we rock, paper, scissor? Alright then. On the count mean, of... We'll have to not lie to each other. Right, so it's rock, paper, scissor, go. Okay? Okay. So, so... when instead of saying go, you have to say what you want to say. Okay? Alright. Rock, rock, paper, paper scissor, scissor, paper. Rock. Oh, you oh. went after me and I still won. Um... <laughs> You, you can go first. Okay, Matt. So, I'm going to preface this by just saying... Um, I can't be funny about Doctor Who. I, it, I take it too seriously. It just brings out the sincerity in me. Mm-hmm. So, this is quite a sincere poem. Okay. And uh, I apologise It's not going to make me cry, is it? I don't think it will. Because I think it would only make you cry if you cared as much about Doctor Who as me. And I sincerely doubt you do. Um, So this is a poem. um, Because I've never... I'll be honest, I haven't written anything for a while. um, Because, you know, finding the time to do that is hard. So I've actually really enjoyed doing this. Um, But, uh, yeah, it just... all, All of this... All of this sincerity tumbled out. So here we go. This is a poem called Time and Relatives. Come mothers, daughters, fathers and sons, every generation and regeneration. Come tweeters and redditors, bloggers and vloggers, podcasters, musicians, artists, fanfic writers and anyone in need of a livelier tea time. Come eight-year-olds and 80-year-olds. Come join us all as we travel together in space and time to distant Welsh quarries and Victorian London yet again for some reason. Come laugh, come cry, come gasp and sigh. You'll feel it all, every precious moment in time. You'll feel bigger on the inside. Come join us, don't hide behind the sofa, don't even blink. You won't want to miss this. Come look, come listen, hear the sonic hum, the wheezing of warp, the dumbity dum that promises you anywhere and anywhen. This is the trip of a lifetime, a great spirit of adventure, through all your yesterdays, todays and tomorrows. So come join the Doctor, step aboard the TARDIS, just this once, and maybe a few hundred times more, for Doctor Who makes companions of us all. Ah, oh, that... You've got me beat. Mine is mine is nowhere near as sincere as that. 
Yeah, I mean, like I say, I, I, originally I was hoping for funny, and I couldn't find the funny, so I had to write from the heart. Oh, I, I think you've got me pegged here. Um, uh, well, let's hear it. I want to hear it. So my poem is called When One Becomes Two. Okay. At least mine rhymes. This, that's the only thing mine's got above yours. <laughs> I knew that was coming. As I reflect on a hundred episodes of Doctor Who, one question bothers me. I haven't a clue. I sit here and ponder. All I can think is why can't each episode be as good as Blink? (laughs) I have thought a lot, and yet I can't narrow the reason I love the tale of Sally Sparrow. Or why the best story that Moffat told is the one where the policeman is suddenly old. The only episode I haven't found painful is the one where you don't look at Weeping Angel. I I see now why Doctor Who fans in their flocks proudly exclaim the angels have the phone box. (laughs) Some will say I'm too picky and being a pedant. But how good is the video scene, especially Tennant? But I'm nailing my colours to the mast and forgive it for having Martha trapped in the past. Other angel stories are too overblown like Time of Angels and Flesh and Stone. Other angel moments are best forgotten, like the Statue of Liberty taking Manhattan. (laughs) In fairness, other stories are great, and some are quite good, like The Girl in the Fireplace or Family of Blood. Others are crap. Let me be clearer. I hate Unquiet Dead, and I hate Fear Her. (laughs) Blink is the episode I'd recommend... In a list that has Unquiet Dead at the bottom end. I hate the Christmas setting and the classic apparel in the crap ghostly retelling of Christmas Carol. That's why I've taken it on myself to warn everyone not to watch the one with the gelf. They are the ghosts that live in the gas in a plot, lo- in a plot line Matt Gattis pulled out of his ass. So I've watched 100 episodes of Doctor Who, and now my one question has become two. Why is Charles Dickens David's weird kink? And why can't (laughs) each episode be as good as Blink? Uh, It's not enough uh, that I celebrate Blink. I had to get a few barbs in there. You had to. I I I was enjoying it at the start, and then you just... You just you you the one the one digger unquiet dead was enough, but no two like two three verses of just really sticking the boot in at the end there. Yeah, originally it uh. was just a love letter to Blink, and then I thought, do you know what? <laughs> that that's not on brand for you, is it? Though you've got to bring the negativity. <laughs> yeah. yeah. What's the saying? It's not enough that I should succeed; everyone else should fail. <laughs> Right, so next on the agenda is an important question before we start actually talking about the episode. Mm -hmm. Uh, What did you have for lunch today? (laughs) I had some fish fingers in a pitta. Oh, did you? Yeah. I had chicken burger in a bun. Oh, nice. Any any kind of condiment on there? Uh, I had a bit of salad and a bit of mayonnaise. Playing it safe. I had chipotle sauce on my fish fingers. Ah, oh, nice. Yeah. It worked surprisingly well. 
Um, so there you go. Right. So that wraps up today's episode. Um, <laughs> Thanks very much for listening, everyone. Yeah. I guess, um, I suppose we should talk about the day of the Doctor. Yeah. I mean, we have been going an hour and a half. Let's do it. Um, and you know what? For old time's sake, I'm going to ask you, Matt, on a scale of good episode to bad episode, where are you ranking the day of the Doctor? I'm going to say good episode. I'm pleased to hear that. But with a caveat. Okay. That ultimately I was left a little disappointed. Okay. I'm interested to to unpack that. It was good. I'm not questioning that. I would say it's an episode of two halves. And the second half is the better half. Yeah. But. I mean, I guess if, if, if. If that's going to be the case, that's the way around you want it, isn't it? You want to end Oh, strong. yeah, but th- I wouldn't say that is where I would pick fault with this episode. Yeah I, yeah. I mean, we may as well just cards on the table now. Yeah. I I was unsatisfied with the role of the War Doctor. Okay. I, I felt we were big... The way... Things ended where we had this mysterious character that was the great shame of the Doctor and, you know, his dark secret. And then when they meet, they're almost immediately just best mates. And I I thought we were going to get... a bit more friction. I thought we were going to get this huge conflict and, you know, that he would have to prove his worth and everything. And I mean, Mm. he does to an extent, but... Yeah, I, I don't know. There was just something where I appreciate it's the fiftieth special and it's almost an entirely happy affair. Yes. But I I don't know. I I don't know whether my expectations were skewed or whether I was misled. But it just no, didn't marry up to what I thought I was going to get. I think ultimately it was the creative choice to have a lot of the obviously we've got the one big regret of the war doctor which is the using the moment and ending the time war by destroying the uh, the daleks and, and the time lords or so he thinks uh, so the doctor thinks in his subsequent regenerations but the um the the the, the creative choice was made to basically have all the other things because the implication is that the war doctor has been fighting in some way or other with this in this war for a long time when he regenerates at the end of uh the night of the doctor from the eighth doctor into the war doctor it is a much younger john hurts face yes, that we see yeah. so there is an implication that he has been in this game for a long time and doing who knows what else not on the same scale but equally having to make those kinds of horrible tough choices that people make when they are involved in, in armed conflict um, for, for quite a long time before he's got to this point. Mm-hmm. So, uh, but it, it, again, so the, the choice was basically to not actually show the war doctor doing a lot of his war doctoring, if you like. Yeah. We are meeting him right at the end point where he has just, he's, you know, he's felt frustrated and it's, it's that kind of like a go big or go home moment where he's just like, okay, screw it. I'm just going to just blow up the lot of you. And that will be the end of it. Cause there's too many other races being caught up in this and it, it, it needs to stop. Um, 
but yeah, yeah, I, I don't think it's. I wouldn't go as far as to say you were misled, but I do understand if you were hoping for more of the grittiness and more conflict between the the regular doctors and the war doctor mm. then yeah you're going to be disappointed by this story because that's ultimately not the story that Stephen Moffat wanted to tell no and I, this, I don't know episode. we end in such a dark place with the revelation of the war doctor yes and then we're straight into like loads of nonsense with Queen Elizabeth and <laughs> I don't know just uh, it's not that I didn't enjoy it it was just yeah. not it's certainly not where I would have taken it. Um, no, no. I think, ultimately, what I think is the great success of, of The Day of the Doctor um, is that it, it, it succeeds in what it really has to do, which is be a celebration of Doctor Who. Mm. And so that means, yeah, we've got to have a bit of campy humour and we've got to have a bit of prattling about in uh, in British history. <laughs> because that's one of the key components that's one of the things that because this is not just for the fans this is also for a more casual audience who just wants to sort of dip a toe in and be like oh doctor who that's what what's that it's big rubbery monsters and it's running around and it's uh prattling about in history and all of that so kind of has to tick those boxes in addition to whatever else it's going to do and so I kind of love that, that Moffat did take the time to do that. You know, I think that, like, for example, bringing back the Zygons was an inspired choice mm-hmm. for a classic monster to introduce for this uh, story because um, even though they were only in one classic story, um, they are kind of like almost poster boys for what people think of when you think of, do- like, yeah, old-school Doctor Who monsters. Um and and so yeah, I think I don't think it's perfect, but it gets close enough that I don't really care, <laughs> you know. Because ultimately, it just it makes me it makes me very happy every time I watch it. It feels you can feel the love in the same the way you could with a, an adventure in space and time. You can feel Stephen Moffat's love for Doctor Who as a show and his love for the character shining through and that ultimately this is his this is his opportunity to provide a a redemption for the character if you like Mm -hmm. um and it it was bold because you you we'll we'll talk more about the ending when we get to it uh, i think Uh, otherwise i could i could you know waffle on endlessly about that before we've even actually really gotten into the, the thing so um yeah, shall we just do it? Let's just do it. Let's, right. We've 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 pratted about long enough. Let's talk about the day of the doctor. Okay. So we open with a policeman outside Coal Hill School. We do indeed. And the foreman scrap works. Yes. So just a perfect mirroring of that opening shot of uh, uh, an unearthly child. Mm. And we find out that Clara is working at Coal Hill School. Yeah. Uh, she gets a call from a doctor. How did you feel about this? Did this come out of the blue for you? Yeah, because yeah. I don't know. We haven't seen her employed, have we? She's, well, she was a nanny. Yeah, she was just sort of in yeah. that house. Yeah. Um, I hope she's I mean, got the right qualifications. Not, 
I'm assuming she does. I'm assuming that she's been maybe working on that. We don't know how long it's been since we last saw her. Yeah, well, we get the feeling um, it's been a while, because yeah, she greets yeah. the Doctor with, like, open arms. And... Yeah. So she goes off to meet him on her motorbike, and I did yeah. like this bit where they just open the TARDIS doors and she just rides in. Yeah. I don't know that it's a conscious nod to the Eighth Doctor movie, but... yeah. We did. Uh, we did just see that a couple of uh, minutes yeah. ago. Obviously, Let, it was a slightly different shot. Let's just, just say it is. We're the authority. Yeah. We're going to say it is because <laughs> the eighth doctor. Yeah, it's a it's a cool shot. Yeah. Right. So they agree they're going to go to the moon. Yes. I, mean, I have cocktails on the moon. I, I know, but by comparison, the moon's pretty boring when you can go anywhere. <laughs> and it's not. I, to be fair, that was just like the capper on on a sort of. Uh, itinerary that the Doctor had sketched out for them. And the joy is, of course, you know that they're not going to do, manage to do any of that, even if they hadn't been picked up by units. Yeah. Whenever well, they actually... Whenever the Doctor aims for something fun, mm. they never end up in that fun place. Um, never. Not once. I mean, once. he did take the kids to that theme park, but he didn't know it was being overrun by Cybermen, yeah. I guess. <laughs> yeah. I it was abandoned. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, as um, you... and like, go on. I guess the closest I'm thinking the closest would actually be midnight because like he takes Donna to that resort planet, and whilst he whilst the Doctor has a horrible time, Donna genuinely does just get to lounge about by a pool on an alien planet. Here and we has go. A per, you know, perfectly it, chill. It's going to be everyone. Now you've said that, just going. Look, Matt, David's even proved Midnight's a good episode. <laughs> I'm not saying it's a good episode. I'm just saying it's a rare example of the Doctor actually aiming for, like, a holiday destination and getting there. Yeah. Well, um, but, yeah. I, I'm happy to say that our friend Jake from Married to Who agrees with me. That Midnight's not all that. Oh. We share Jake, the opinion go... that Turn Left is better than Midnight. <sighs> Them's fighting words. Mm. Anyway, so, yeah. come on, we're, we're, we're already derailed. Right. Do you want to talk about Robot Wars some more? <laughs> <laughs> so, the TARDIS is picked up by a helicopter, and yep. we get a bit of messing about where the Doctor's, like, dangling out the helicopter. Yeah. Uh, it's and... a very expensive and pointless stuff, isn't it? <laughs> Why not? I think that's the thing. They, they were just like, they had this budget for the 50th. And to, as well, I don't know if I've told you, this was actually, this got a cinema release. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I didn't get to go and see it in the cinema, unfortunately. I did want to, but it was just, it was no practical way for me to do it at the time. Um, it's one of my biggest disappointments as a Doctor Who fan is that I couldn't make it work. If, if we get to the 60th, I'll treat you. <laughs> right, so... The reason the TARDIS has been picked up is Kate Stewart of Unit. Good to see her yes, back. It is indeed. Whatever happened to that woman that was Prime Minister? Uh, Harriet Jones. Yeah, she was like bunkered down was... living outside the law last time we saw her. I think she, get, I think she got murdered by a Dalek. I think oh, she got yeah. exterminated. Maybe. Yeah. Oh yeah, didn't she like sacrifice herself? Yeah. And like apologise yeah. for all the bad things she'd done. Um, anyway, so yeah, Kate yeah. Stewart's here, and she basically spotted the TARDIS and had it picked up, not knowing the Doctor was in there. Can I check? Is this is this only the second time you've seen Kate Stewart? Yeah, I'm trying to. Yeah, yeah. I couldn't remember if she was in the back half of series seven, but no. 
Mm-hmm. Um, no. Yeah, nice I can't remember the first time I saw her, but I've seen her before. And then, I, for some reason, like my notes, I've crossed this out twice. I've put yeah. that Kate Stewart has a, and then I've wrote daughter, cross that out, friend, <laughs> cross that out. And then I've written, is it a sister? Like the, they're not real. Are you talking about Osgood? The one with the scarf. Yeah, they're not related. I I think it is when she refers to her as mom. Yeah. Because I call my mum mam. I think I uh. misheard it, <laughs> and I was like, "Is that her daughter?" Yeah. Like, no, they are definitely not related. She's are they just, just work acquaintances. Yeah, she's just a, a, a scientist for unit. Because then, because Kate Stewart's always like, "Oh, don't forget your inhaler." I was like. Are they sisters? Like no, I th- they just have a close working relationship, right. and she knows what. It, so Osgood as a character, she's basically a stand-in for Doctor Who fans. Yeah, that she's like an in-universe Doctor Who fan, uh-huh. if you like. Uh, hence the, uh, the the scarf and, and everything. Like she just she's obviously she's read all the files. She she knows all about the Doctor's exploits, and um, that's really the role she's playing in in this story. Um, and so of course she's a massive nerd and asthmatic. Yeah, <laughs> he says with his inhaler sat <laughs> on his desk just in case. So, Kate Stewart is acting on orders from Queen Elizabeth I. Yep. And they enter the National Gallery where there's a painting, The Fall of Arcadia. Mm -hmm. Yes. Also known as Gallifrey Falls. Also Also known as as No More. No More. Mm. And as with everything, it's Time Lord technology, so it's a 3D image which is bigger on the inside. Yeah, which must have been pretty cool to see, like in the cinema, you know, because it was like it was three D screenings. Oh, was it? Yeah, yeah. Uh, it had been so, around the time of Avatar, where everything was three. Yeah, it was a couple of yeah, it was a couple of years afterwards, I guess. Um, was it was Avatar two thousand and I don't know. I hate I that say? film. It's so boring. Like I I only watched it. It, it, you know, it, this is is it specifically James Cameron films that I only get around to watching years and years after the fact. I watched Avatar for the first time about three years ago. I th- it had its moments. Yeah, I I was mostly just annoyed that it like it's just visually it's it's massively ripping off the work of Roger Dean, who's the the artist that, that painted a lot of uh, Yes album covers. Has any big film made that much money but had such little importance on, like, the cultural zeitgeist? No uh, one cares. It's hard to think of a, a bigger example, isn't it? It's, do you, it do you think in novelty. ten years' time nobody is going to be talking about, like, Endgame and Infinity War? No, of course not. No. It's, it, it's, that's gonna, uh, the MCU is going to last. It, at the very least, I, th- I see the current crop of superhero movies going the way of like westerns in that there will be a certain generation for whom they're basically just always their favorite films Mm. um and they'll kind of keep it alive even if no one else is interested because kind of the novelty's worn off um but yeah no avatar is is pretty 
bereft of substance, (laughs) it must be said. So the Doctor then explains the role of the War Doctor in the Time War. And we see the last day of the Time War. Yes. And I've just made a little note here saying, I really like the design of the Dalek ships. Yeah, they go, I mean, they've never really... They, they, they will update them a little bit, but they've always stayed fairly true to what was established in uh, the Dalek Invasion of Earth, mm-hmm. which was the first time we saw Dalek spaceships, and they were just basically classic flying saucers. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I kind of like that we, we, you know, that is just the look for a, for a Dalek ship. So Arcadia Falls. Arcadia is the capital of Gallifrey? Second city. Second city. It is it is the Manchester to uh I don't know, isn't the... Birmingham England second city? Oh, Ma- oh yeah, I probably Birmingham. Yeah, yeah. Oh what what's the capital of Gallifrey called? Oof, you see, this is where I'm not gonna people are gonna accuse me of being a fake Doctor Who fan. Is it just the Citadel? Oh, right. Is that what it's called or is that just the building in the glass dome? At the centre of, I, I feel like that it's just called the Citadel. David, you're the authority. It's episode one hundred. It's whatever you choose to call it. All right then, that's what I'm calling it. Right. So, we see the TARDIS. We see the War Doctor, and he shoots the words "No more" into the wall. Yeah. I feel like people wouldn't really know what he was doing there. (laughs) (laughs) You know, if he wrote "The Doctor No More," makes a bit more (laughs) sense, but. What's he saying no more to? I think he's saying no more to the war. Yeah, but don't take it out on the wall. <laughs> and we see the Gallifrey War Council. Yes. But no Rassilon. Well, um, they they do actually say... Um, the gen- it's, it's one of those sort of blink and you'll miss it things, but the, the general uh, says um, the High Council are having their own... You know, have their own plans. Ah, right. And that's what and, he is. And do you know what that is a reference to? No. Do you remember in the end of time, there was all those meetings with Rassilon and the High Council and they're doing their harebrained scheme with the Master to pull Gallifrey through. Oh, is that where Earth. they are? That, that is happening at the same time ah, as this. That's yeah, that's pretty good. Yeah. So the War Council are panicking because the Doctor has accessed the Omega Arsenal. Mm-hmm. In the time vaults, where he has taken a weapon. So they say yes. that they've exhausted all their weapons except one, yeah. which is the moment, also known yeah. as the Galaxy Eater. Yeah. So the Doctor sort of runs into the middle of nowhere mm-hmm. and he wants to trigger it, except the AI becomes sentient. Yes. And that was the problem in the past, wasn't it? Mm hmm. Well, they would just say they said no one would ever use it because yeah, it became so it was so complex that the AI became sentient, and uh, the way the general puts it is, how can you use a weapon that can stand in judgment against you? Mm. So, Which is, God, that's a brilliant idea, isn't it? Just as an isolated science fiction idea. Yeah. How brilliant is that? I love it. So, and, of course, it gives us a lovely excuse to have a certain familiar face pop mm, back. Well, when setting it up, the Doctor asks, why is there never just a big red button he can press? Because it's really complicated yep. to open it. Yeah. So that, that sort of got that reference. And yep. when the AI sort of wakes up, it's Rose. Yeah. Um, 
or is it? Well, I, I made a note to say Billy Piper does a really good job. And mm-hmm. I think in early episodes, I criticised that I didn't think she was very good, but she's really good here. So she... I think she's always been good in Doctor Who. I don't think she puts in a duff performance. I think it's easy to mistake what she's doing in series one as kind of just slightly, just kind of natural, just like she's just being Billy Piper kind of. Um, but I think as the series goes on, you can see how much work she puts into it. And, and like and in this, she is playing a completely different character mm. and doing it so well. She gets to do a much bigger performance in this, really. So um, she says so that she's taken I, can on I, the... Can I just... Go on. I just wanted to, to ask. So, like, some people are upset with, like, in that... When you've got the TARDIS going over London and you've got that silly stunt, you've got the credits rolling, and at that point, it spoils... <laughs> But David Tennant is in this, John Hurt's in this, and Billy Piper mm. is in this. And of course, you know, that's because they're stars and they need star billing and all of that. But would you have preferred it if they'd not done that and you were, you know, you had no idea Billy Piper was yeah. going to be popping up at all? Yeah, I think I would. Yeah. It's a shame. I, I always toyed with telling you to, like, close your eyes during that. <laughs> but I thought, that's just going to get too complicated. I can't do that. Mm. But, uh, but uh, it is a shame. But anyway... Because... Um, I'm, am I right in thinking the reason it takes on Rose is it draws something from the Doctor's consciousness, albeit yes. it could be from his future? Yes, I, I think she was like, I, I'm trying to pick this to be a familiar face, but uh, it's from your past, or possibly your future. So, yeah, she's uh, unfortunately gone, gone in the wrong direction. Because at first but, uh, I was like, <gasps> did Eccleston know who Rose Tyler was the whole time? And I thought mm. that could be a big twist, but no, he didn't. Yeah, and she also says that her name is Rose, or it could be Bad Wolf, something like that. Yeah. So, yeah. don't give me that Bad Wolf nonsense again. <laughs> We're done with that. Well, you remember last time you said that, and I was like, mm, "Are we though?" I know. <laughs> this is why. That's why I have <laughs> you can't get asking. rid of it. Uh, as uh, I, I will spoil this for you, as far as I can recall, this is the final reference to Bad Wolf. Right. I think we are finally done with it. I bet. I bet there's one more. <laughs> there's always another bad wolf. So the Doctor says he's got no desire to survive the time war. Yeah. And a window through time is opened. I think, to be clear, at that point, I think the moment says, well, that will be your punishment. Mm. Like, you you don't get because it's almost the easy way out, isn't it? If you pull the the if you push the big red button and you kill everyone and you kill yourself in the process, then you don't have to live with the consequences exactly. of your actions. Um, but yeah, so she she's basically it's almost like a riff on Christmas, Christmas Carol or Carol, something that's like what that. I thought. Yeah, yeah, in that she's like, okay, well, before you make this decision, let's just have a little peek into your future mm-hmm. and what that's going to do to you. So, as she opens this window through time, a fez comes yep. flying through. <laughs> yeah. And then we jump back to Matt Smith. In my notes, I've just called them Smith, Tennant and War Doctor. So That seems fine. Okay. So, back with yep. Matt Smith. Queen Elizabeth I placed him in charge of what's called the Undergallery. And yes. that's where the bad things, the dark art is kept. 
Yes. And yeah. when it's revealed, it's a painting of Queen Elizabeth I with David Tennant. Yeah. <laughs> now, we have had references to Queen Elizabeth I We have, before. yeah. I, I sort of liked seeing that story come full circle. Yeah, it's really nice that it's finally closed the loop. Because, mm. <laughs> um, I mean, because if you think back to the first, or to the first major references at the end of the Shakespeare Code, and when where she's, like, a much older clue... Yeah, because it's a much older Queen Elizabeth. But of course, kind of like with River Song, it's happening. the timeline's happening in the wrong order. So mm. everything that we see in this episode hasn't happened to the Tenth Doctor yet. So he has no idea why Queen, what he's done to upset Queen Elizabeth II. And now we know. So um, from that painting, we then jump to 1562, where Tennant is with Queen Elizabeth I. Yes. And he asks her to marry him. Yeah. Except it's not Queen Elizabeth I. He has a machine that goes ding whenever it's in the presence of a shapeshifter. And he also worked out that she would never react in such a way to his proposal. So how did you feel? I mean, it's one thing to know he's coming up because you've seen the name on screen, but to actually see David Tennant back in the Yeah, it was nice. It gave me a little warm feeling. Yeah. It is fun, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. Plus, he hasn't, like, aged that much. So it's not no, like we've got old no. man tenant running about. Yeah. The biggest it's... issue with this with this uh, story is his hair. Do you his think... hair's not on brand yeah. for the Tenth Doctor. I think it's because he, he had it in a different style because he was shooting something else at the same time. So mm-hmm. they couldn't do... They couldn't style it the way he used to have it with the big sticky-up quiff thingy um, for, for the Tenth yeah. Doctor. But, you know, it's towards the end of his timeline. Yeah. So, uh, so I'll let in, it slide. In my notes, I've put, she is a Zygon. But then, hold on, the horse is the Zygon. Yeah. So they've been riding around on a horse, and the thing that his machine's been detecting yeah. is the horse rather than Queen Elizabeth. So they yeah. run about for a bit, mm-hmm. and he talks to a rabbit. How, what did, so how did you feel seeing Zygons properly for the first time? Because, of course, they've been referenced before, but this is your first time actually seeing... Zygons in Doctor Who. It's a bit series one, isn't it? A bit low budget <laughs> compared to some of the other <laughs> monsters we've seen. It's just a big I starfish they, squid man. I think they did a really good job updating the design of the Zygons because, yeah, I mean, there's only so much you can do. At the end of the day, they are going to be big, rubbery, suckery looking things because that's the look of them. But, like, I think they, for, for, it's hard to do something like that and make it look good in, in, in HD. And I think they do a really good job with, with the costume. Like There's enough detail on them and, and stuff. And as rubbery monsters go, they actually have expressive faces, mm. which I think is nice. You know, the actors can actually like contort their faces a bit and show some expressions and emotions. Um, so, yeah, like I say, I, I would great, say, great choice. I would say I'd rather them do practical effects than what they did with like the ice warrior where it was like weird cgi yes yeah that did that didn't work and yeah i'm so glad we didn't get cgi zygons that would have been awful um like we said the doctor talks to a rabbit presuming that's a zygon Except, yeah. moments later, we get two Queen Elizabeth the Firsts appear, and we're unsure mm-hmm. which one is the Zygon. Yeah, and then I think I've put in my notes: is Queen Elizabeth the First the actress that plays Stacy in Gavin and Stacy? 
I can't remember. I don't the know because I've never. I've 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 watched very little Gavin and Stacey, mm. so I couldn't tell you. I, um, I'm pretty certain it is. Yeah. Uh, then another time, Fissure opens and sends him a face too. Yep. So back with Matt Smith. There's loads of weird dust in the under gallery. Yep. And they have the Doctor's fares in a case. And I do like the bit where Clara's like, do you think one day you might just be able to walk past the fares and not put it on your head? Because <laughs> yeah. it is a weird obsession. I think it's it's just, it's part of that. You, you must have like people in your family who cannot resist a funny hat. Like if there is an opportunity to put a funny hat on, I mean, they will just automatically put it on. Maybe my niece, Surely. but she's only five. Ah, uh, you don't have like any any uncles or anyone for whom it, it's just an an impossibility for for them to not put on a sombrero if they happen to be in the same room as one. I mean, I do. I've got an uncle yeah. that's like that. Exactly. Yeah, <laughs> and it's just, I don't find it as just... charming as when Matt Smith does it. No. <laughs> so, like we say, they're in the under gallery, and the 3D paintings that we've seen have their glass smashed. Yeah. Except the do- the doctor points out that the glass is smashed outward rather than inward, so something mm-hmm. has broken out of these paintings. Yes. So to investigate what's going on, he just jumps into one of the time fissures. Yeah, and yeah. this is um, the first time we see Smith and Tennant together. Yeah, and uh, uh, it's it's a very special joy. Yeah. multi Doctor story. Like this is your first ever multi Doctor story, isn't it? I believe we've not so. Done, yeah. We've not done any of the classic ones or anything, um, and it's like they're so hard to do right because it's the kind of thing like you like. On paper, you're like, oh, that'll be fun. But it, it's not necessarily going to be. Mm. Because ultimately, what as a writer, what you've ended up with is multiple copies of the same lead character. Yes. And you've got to give them all something interesting to do. So it's actually quite a challenging thing to write. Um, and I think Moffat does a brilliant job. Because... Uh, uh, to be fair, it's kind of in the tradition of what tends to happen with multi-doctor stories is, at least at first, they're just bicker. Mm. And, like, nitpick about each other's I do like, like it in this one where they talk and... about who Sonic Screwdriver's bigger and what they're compensating for. <laughs> yeah. That's a lovely little bit. And, and I love how Matt Smith's just like, oh, I'm cool. Look at me. I'm so cool. <laughs> <laughs> like, whoops, I'm accidentally wearing sand shoes. I love that he calls them sand shoes. So, together, <laughs> they test the vortex by throwing a fez into it. And it's the one that lands with the War Doctor. Yes. So yeah. I love the sort of the Fez timeline. Yeah. In this, like how because it is, it's it's like whilst it's quite not a difficult story to follow at all, it kind of clips along in in, in a in a breezy way. It's it's the usual Moffat thing. It's a complete puzzle box of mm. different timelines all intersecting in a in a in a weird jumble. So. Uh, yeah, so, and the fez is kind of what helps you keep it straight. Yeah, yeah. So the War Doctor appears to Tennant and Smith. Yeah. And he thinks they are companions of the Doctor. 
Ah, I love it. It's adorable, isn't it? It's like, could one of you point me in the general direction of the doctor? But, but that's what I mean. <laughs> For someone who's been so hardened by war, mm. he's a very... He's like Dick Van Dyke. <laughs> he just... He's a, he's a quite a cuddly granddad kind yeah. of a figure. Yeah. yeah. And I... Uh, I feel like... Okay. There's two... There's two ways in which I sort of justify it. One is he is at the he is right at the very end, where he has been so ground down and like this is his final moments basically, um, and he's basically already made up his mind. I th- I feel like in the back of his head he's like, well the the moment can show me whatever it likes. So I'm not going to change my mind. I know what needs to be done, so I'll play along. Mm-hmm. That's kind of how I interpret his general attitude with this. Um, and uh, the other thing, the other thing that I think about is that the the war doctor makes a big show of distancing himself from being the doctor. Like he 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 wants to reject that that persona so that he can do the the necessary things. However, have you ever tried to suppress parts of your own personality? Yeah. It's easier said than done. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. Like, I, I, for a, a, anecdote time, uh, I'll, I'll keep this brief, but I think the, the example that I always think of when I think of, like, um, trying to be someone you're not, one time I thought I would sign up for an after-school football club. Oh, really? <laughs> yes. That is so was... off-brand that, like... yeah. Yeah. And if I tell you, at that point in my life, I would have been about eight, nine years old. Um, and I'll, I'll be honest, I don't want to make anyone sad or anything. I, I struggled with making friends at school. I have friends outside of school, but I, I struggled to make friends with my peers in school. Mm-hmm. Um, and I thought a shortcut to friendship with some of the people I went to school with would be to join this after school football club. But at that point in my life, I had never willingly watched a football match. I didn't enjoy playing football when I had to do it at school. I I had no aptitude for it. I've I've got very poor coordination and, and, and so it was I was doing it for all the wrong reasons. But I you know, I begged my parents to buy me some shin pads and you know, the studded boots and the whole thing. The, the fact that you call them studded seen. boots instead of football boots <laughs> is really <laughs> proving a point here. Yeah. So yeah, but I but and I did all that. I I went I went to 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 the first session and I never went back. I because I knew I knew in my heart of hearts. I knew the moment I arrived. Like, oh, this was a mistake. I'm. I'm. This is not going to achieve what I thought it would achieve. I'm just going to have a dreadful time, and lo and behold, I did. Um, so yeah, that's a very conv- like long-winded way of saying. I I feel like as much as you might want the sort of the sort of dark version of the Doctor with the War Doctor, when it's all said and done, it's still the Doctor, however much he protests. Yeah. And I think if he was totally different, they'd have been outraged, wouldn't they? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, this story, the, the, the way it concludes, it's basically 
about how the Doctor can never not be the Doctor. Mm. He's going to... He's always going to do what he can to save people rather than... Uh, anyway, yeah, uh, we'll get there. So, through conversation, he realises that they are also both the Doctor. Mm-hmm. And some soldiers appear. Medieval Queen Elizabeth soldiers. Yes. Uh, and at this point, I, I, I was sort of writing notes, so I didn't catch the name. I think Kate mm-hmm. Stewart references an old episode... I'm trying to think. So she says, "Oh, you know, my father did something where there might have been more than one doctor. I can't remember." Oh yes, yeah, um, the three doctors. That'd be a reference to, or actually, possibly even the five doctors. The brigadier appears in both. So Queen Elizabeth appears to arrest all the doctors. Yeah, and we believe it's the Zygon Queen Elizabeth. Mm-hmm. Uh, so. In conversation, because they can hear through these time windows, the Doctor gives a clue for Kate Stewart to go to the Tower of London. So yes. Queen Elizabeth is saying you'll be locked up, and the Doctor's like, oh no, I would never go to the Tower of London. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So whilst locked up, the Doctors all try and work out why they are together. They... This is one of the best scenes in the Whole it is because they act as though they're like one another's inner monologue. You know, mm. they know each other so well they can finish each other's sentences. Yeah, he I mean, he's literally talking to himself, mm. but just you know, at, at very different points in his own life. Um. So and yeah, the war doctor sees Rose again at this mm-hmm. point. Yeah, and. We find out that the things from the paintings are other Zygons and they yeah. are disguised as statues. So all the dust yeah. that was previously in the undergallery was actually mm-hmm. smashed up statues because yeah. the Zygons needed to disguise themselves as the statues and take their place. Yeah. And I like this because it's it's such a tease. You really think he's going to be throwing weeping angels into the mix, don't you? Mm. Or at least I did when I was first watching the, it. Yeah, when they pull back the sheet, yeah. it's just like, oh god, this is really <laughs> going ten mile, like hundred miles an hour. Mm-hmm. Um, so then, a Zygon replaces again. I put Kate Stewart's sister slash assistant slash daughter slash. She's friend. just Osgood. Just call her Osgood. She's an amazing character. <laughs> right, I'll try to from now on. <laughs> Um, Sorry, I'm a, I'm a big I'm a big Osgood defender. I really like her. Um, I, I don't know why. Why would you sympathise with an asthmatic, w- glasses wearing Doctor Who fan? <laughs> I, I don't see any likeness. So. No, it's weird, isn't it? So, Clara and Kate are investigating what's called the Black Archive, mm-hmm. and it turns out Clara has actually been here before. But every time you enter the Black Archive, you have your memory wiped on the way out. Yep. So it's where unit keep their most sort of precious artefacts and weaponry related to the Doctor and other aliens. And the Mm -hmm. thing that they have held there is Captain Jack's Vortex Manipulator. Yeah. Uh, I like that. It was good to get a little nod to him. Yep. Sort of bequeathed to them. Uh, on the, uh, oh yes, on the occasion of one of his deaths. Yeah, <laughs> yeah as she puts it. So yeah, we find out that 
Kate that Clara is talking to in this instance mm-hmm. is also a Zygon. Yes. So Clara uses the Vortex Manipulator to get out. Yeah. And it yeah. turns out the reason... Did you see that coming? Um, the whole Kate is a Zygon thing? No, not really. Because... Yeah. I love Zygons. I love... I love, like, any, any sort of, like, duplicate clone, you don't know who the bad guy is kind of story. It's one of my favourite things about Battlestar Galactica is is the Cylons that you know you 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 never know because they i mean we don't need to get too far in the weeds with with uh with battlestar galactic if you've never watched it listeners uh the the, the rebooted version of battlestar galactic is definitely worth your time it's not perfect no but, but it's uh, it's bloody good um but yeah i love any time you get into a situation of anyone could be the bad guy they could have anyone's face mm-hmm. I'm, I'm always on board with that. So, um, in the cell where the three doctors are held, Matt yeah. Smith has been carving coordinates into the wall. Yeah. This um, is this is the scene I was talking about. Sorry. Yeah, this is my... Probably my... Certainly one of my favourite scenes of the episode. And um, that's what Clara uses to get back to the doctor. Yeah. Okay. Um, and I, I did like the line in this scene where the doctors are together... Where yeah. the war doctor asks Smith and Tennant why they're so afraid to be grown-ups. Yeah. Because they're sort yeah. of flim-flamming around and, mm-hmm. you know, they are young and youthful. Yeah. And, and, and the answer is because of him. Mm, exactly. Yeah. And, they sort of stare is, at him. And <laughs> yeah. And this is where, um, you know, he asks them, like, did you ever count? Yes. Did you ever count how many children there were on Gallifrey? the day that he used the moment and the and, and of course uh, matt smith's response is oh i don't know no i didn't bother you know i didn't you know too much to see and too much to do and then the 10th doctor just straight there with the with the exact figure but i and i, I did like that when smith says he's moved on when yeah. the war doctor asks him how he says spoilers yeah. So it's yeah. that idea that his love of River Song is what's helped cure yeah. that pain. Definitely. Like, has given him hope of, like, you know, there's a future beyond. Mm. Whereas, but of course, with, with the Tenth Doctor, he's still kind of wallowing in, in the sort of pain of of what he's done. And and, and, he's, and I love the way Tenant plays it because he is horrified with Matt Smith. Mm. You, know, he, you know, he says 400 years, is that all it takes? You know, what could you possibly doing that that makes it that easy to be on? Yeah, I, just all three of them in that scene are absolutely magnificent. And then the absolute capper on it is um, the lies from uh, um, the line from the moment played by Billy Piper, mm-hmm. saying, uh, "Here's your future: the, the man who f- the man who regrets and the man who forgets." Yes. Yeah. Wow, what a line! <laughs> Definitely. So yeah. they work together to figure out how to open the door. So they realised the calculation it would take to set the sonic screwdriver would take hundreds of years. Yes. But because they all have the sonic screwdriver, by John Hurt initiating that process, Mm -hmm. by the time it's finished, we have Matt Smith with his sonic screwdriver that already has the frequency. Yes. So they go through this really long convoluted plan, and as they all draw their sonic screwdriver... 
Clara just opens the door because it wasn't locked. <laughs> and I like how they all just justify it by going, well, it's a sort of scenario the door should really be locked. It really should. But no, yeah, none of them thought to check. I, I love that. I love everything about that. Because it, it's like, it's another way in which it shows that the Doctor's always the same and the Doctor's always different. Like, you know, they, 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 on, on some ways, these are very different people. But then in the same way that, like, Think back to Rose, the first episode with Christopher Eccleston, where he's standing with the uh, uh, with the London Eye behind him, talking about like uh, the, the the nesting consciousness uh, the signal thing will be like some massive disc right in the middle of London. I don't. It must be have a cloaking device or something because I can't. And you know. It's right there, and so like the Doctor is like incredibly clever, but sometimes misses the the the, the very obvious things right in front of him, mm-hmm. and it's a perfect encapsulation of that. Because um, on the one hand, he's being incredibly clever; it was an incredibly clever yeah. plan, <laughs> but then <laughs> it was entirely unnecessary. And yeah, so the reason brilliant. the door's unlocked is because the Queen Elizabeth Saigon wants the Doctors to witness Earth's destruction. Yes. Uh, we then see the real Kate Stewart strung up in a horrible Zygon mess. Yeah. Where she oh, is freed. Zygon technology is gross. Mm. Again, I've put she's freed <laughs> by your sister. <laughs> My notes are a real mess now that you've pointed yeah. out these flaws. Um, <laughs> and the Zygons want Earth after their planet was destroyed in the Time War. Yeah. Okay, so it turns out that the 3D pictures that we've seen are stasis cubes. Mm-hmm. And the Zygons have entered those stasis cubes in order to be released in the future. Yes, so they're, they're, yeah, they basically are just frozen moments in time. Okay. So all along, it turns out it has been the real Queen Elizabeth pretending to be a Zygon. Yeah. To trick the Zygons into her being able to initiate a plan to free the Doctors. Yes. Uh, Tennant marries her. Yeah. And I, I love I love how into it Clara is. Mm. <laughs> She's just like there with the confetti. Just like, hey. I do like the line where the war doctor goes, does this happen a lot in the future? And Matt Smith, obviously, because his Doctor's married, just goes... Mm-hmm. Yeah, more than you would think. <laughs> yeah, I think his exact phrase is like, yeah, it does start to happen. <laughs> yeah. So they all go to the TARDIS. And I really enjoyed this bit where we see the different TARDIS sets. Oh, yeah. It's a special treat, isn't it? Especially when yeah. they like go, oh, the circles are back. Because <laughs> yeah. obviously only having yeah, seen that. Did, yeah, did they use like... the same set as an adventure in space and time? I think they did. I was going to say, um, if you're you, going to build a TARDIS set, it makes sense not to build two. Yeah, you've you got to get your money's worth. They're not cheap sets to build. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's quite, who knows what they'll do in the future, having a classic TARDIS set on hand, just in case. Mm. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's a really nice moment. And eventually, sort of like after cycling through them, it settles on, uh, on the current one. Mm-hmm. And they're off to the Black Archive. Yeah. Okay. In the Black Archive, the Zygons are holding talks with their human counterparts. So they've taken the mm-hmm. form of these humans. Yeah. So 
each side of the desk there's three humans, three Zygons in the same form. And we find out that beneath the Black Archive there's a nuke that will blow in five minutes unless peace yes. is solved. Mm-hmm. And the reason to do that is to wipe out millions and the Zygons rather than billions worldwide. Mm. What does that remind you of? <laughs> we, we, uh, I can't remember the episode name. Well, it's you know, one, I, what I was referencing Martha, is... isn't it, where there's well, all around oh, the yes, world. Oh, yes, there is that. Nukes. I wasn't even thinking of that. What I was thinking of was um, that it's a... I, I think it's a quite an obvious uh, sort of mirroring of what the War Doctor's about to do. Mm. You know, it's, do, it's killing millions of innocents to save billions. Mm. It's, you know, the, the lesser evil. It's that same... You know, that exact same idea. Um, and, you know, but yeah. So, so uh, yeah, I hadn't made the connection. Well done for making that connection. I'd forgotten yeah. about that. That whole, Was it the, the Osterhagen that... key? That's what it there is. There we go. We haven't had that dropping yeah. conversation for a while. Yeah. Still a dumb idea. It's better in this. It feels mm. more justified in this. In, in, um, in the series four finale, it's it's very much obviously just something they've done to give Martha something to do. Yeah. Um, but yeah. So the Tower of London is somehow TARDIS proof. Yeah. They don't explain how it just is. Go with it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Basically, yeah. There's there's some waffle that sort of sounds convincing enough when it's coming out of Matt Smith's face, but don't think about it too hard. So yeah. they can't get in, but the War Doctor has a plan. With a stasis cube. Yeah. So, earlier on, we see one of the people working in the gallery take a phone call. And it turns out that's the doctor calling seconds after he's left the room to order the painting to be taken to the Black Archives. Yes, because we've seen that that whole conversation from the other side before. Mm -hmm. But now we're filling in the gaps. It's, you know, it's Moffat doing what Moffat does. It's like Blink. It's, you know... You see one side of the conversation and then you fill in the gaps later and he looks really clever. <laughs> you know. So all the doctors enter the last day of the time war. Yeah. Use the stasis cube. Yeah. And then that painting is delivered to the gallery, knowing yeah. that they are going to leave it to once it's been entered it. yeah. into the black archive. Yeah. So once inside they used the mind wiping technology. But hang on, we let's can we just talk about that entrance? Mm-hmm. Because the three of them like just walking out of the painting. Well that's it. They're not the yeah, first so thing to exit though, are they? Because oh, half not. a Dalek yeah. gets thrown across yeah. the room. <laughs> oh man. And and I love the line, just sorry about the Dalek. Mm. <laughs> oh, it's it's awesome. Come on, that is a good entrance. Oh, 100%. Yeah. I, I do think the best part of this episode is when you've got the three Doctors on screen together. Yeah, it's just... It kind of... It's like it It bypasses the critical part of your brain, doesn't it? It's just like, this is just so cool. Just having multiple Doctors on screen together is just so cool. Um, but yeah. So the reason they use the Mind Wiper is now the negotiations between the Zygons and Earth will occur without people knowing whether they are a Zygon or a human. Yeah. 
That way, peace can be negotiated without bias. Smart plan. So, from there, Clara is sort of walking around the room and there's all these cork boards with bits of string and she looks at all the companions that have travelled with the Doctor. Yeah. And she then crosses the room to speak to the War Doctor and tells him that her Doctor regrets the Time War. Hmm. It's a really um, lovely scene between the two of them, isn't it? Yeah, it, it yeah. is almost like a little girl speaking to her grandpa, isn't it? Because yeah, except when for, they're discussing uh, yeah. things with each other, they don't yeah. know one another, but they treat each no. other with such kindness. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, of course, she does know him, not that exact iteration of him, but she knows well, the yeah. doctor. Yeah. You know, and like what she... And, you know... She she talks about how he's he's obviously so much younger because of his eyes and mm. you know yeah no this it's really lovely moments and is this about when because it's not too I don't know if it happens just before this scene or be, or afterwards when uh, the war doctor's talking to the moment again and he sort of says I get it now I I, I get why you brought me to this exact yeah, point it's just yeah. after this he, yeah, he says he's yeah. ready he's seen. The yeah. man he'll become. And yeah. he's made his choice. Yeah. And when he returns, the moment does have a big red button. Yes. <laughs> okay. And I love this line. He says, Great yeah. men are forged in flat fire, and it is the privilege of lesser men to light the flame. Yeah, that's a heck of a line, isn't it? And yeah. just as he's about to press the button, Smith and Tennant appear. Of course they do. And I love that they even acknowledge it and just go, well, this should be time-locked. <laughs> you know, yeah. you know, what have we had? Seven series where we've been led to believe that's time-locked, but it just turns out, nah. No. They <laughs> like, assumed that, that it really would be. did make me chuckle, because Tennant yep. just says it with such disdain. Because yep. <laughs> it's exactly what everyone's thinking. He just literally yep. like curls his nose up and goes, should be time-locked, really, this, shouldn't it? But I think... I, t- my interpretation of it is that it is time locked, because mm. it always happened this way. So they're allowed through because they are part of it. They were always yes. part of these events, but they just didn't know that they were always part of these events, and they won't remember yes. that they were. So, um, yeah. So we then, like I say, once they've appeared, they then say the line that we've seen in day, uh, Name of the Doctor, sorry, where they say, yeah. what is done today is not done out of fear or hatred. It's done because there's no other way. And yeah. then when they say, and it's done, I thought they were going to say, not in the name of the Doctor, but they say it's done uh-huh. in the name of the many lives that they're failing to save. Mm. So... Did you point, think they were going to do it? Did I you did, think this is how it was going to end? Yeah, but I thought... At least now they're at peace with it. They they yeah. know it's a justified decision. It's not necessarily the yeah. right decision, but they can live in the, peace with that yeah. call. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And then Clara tries to see another way. She mm. uses what we've already said, that Smith is a doctor, and yeah. therefore his goal is to help people. Yeah, and I yeah. really like this bit where the doctors recite their promise. Yeah, and do you know where that see... comes from? 
Go on. Never cruel, never cruel or cowardly. Never give up. Never give in. That was originally written. It was a description of the Doctor, written by Terence Dix. You know that a great writer of classic who involved in the show for for for, for decades on and off in in various capacities, but you know mostly as a script editor and a script writer. Um, he wrote for I believe I forget what it was. It was some kind of like tie-in, like an annual or something like that. Um, but it had this description of the Doctor in it, and it's so perfect and simple and exact to the core of what every iteration of the Doctor is that it's kind of stuck in the fandom oh, and really? become almost like a mantra. Yeah, and I th- believe this is one. Does he say? Maybe he says it in the name of the Doctor as well, or something. Or, yeah. But, I, but but anyway, Moffat is really the first writer to actually kind of use it in universe, right? Rather than out of universe. But uh, so yeah, a little contribution from from the late great Terence Dicks to this story. Yeah. Uh, so as they recite their promise, they say if three of them work together, they can't lose. Yeah. And I did like the bit where the War Doctor just goes. Oh yeah, plus I'm taking instructions from this bad wolf girl and Tennant's <laughs> yeah. face is just like, oh, not this again. <laughs> well, I don't think he's quite like that. He's just like... Uh, he's just like, sorry, uh, sorry, what? Did you say Did, did you say bad wolf? <laughs> like, yeah. Okay. Um, so they formulate a plan to freeze Gallifrey. Yeah. Uh, using one of the stasis cubes. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that way, if they remove Gallifrey... All the Daleks that are firing on it will be firing on one another. Yeah. They so they'll wi- it'll wipe out the Daleks and it has a chance of preserving Gallifrey. Mm-hmm. So they tell yeah. Gallifrey High Command of their plan. Yeah. Who don't seem too happy at the idea. I, of I love that at first you're just like, oh god, <laughs> yeah. you know, because yeah, they have such disdain for the Doctor, mm-hmm. you know. So eventually they say, do it. Yeah. Gallifrey disappears. Yeah. And well, well before that actually. Yes. We, we've got a big moment that we needed to uh to hit on. So as they're sort of joining well, the Zoom call for better for a yeah. better phrase, we get <laughs> Matt Smith who is, says, yeah. Hello, it's the doctor here. Then we get yeah. Tenant say, also the doctor, and John Hurt say, <laughs> Oh yeah, I'm the doctor too. But then we get all the others as well. Yes. And Gallifrey stands. They, yeah, I think the, is it the War Doctor that shouts that instead of Gallifrey yes. falls, he shouts no, yeah, no, no, Gallifrey stands. stands. And of yeah. course, when he's shouting that, he's doing the classic Doctor Who thing of just banging buttons in the TARDIS really frantically. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, um, oh, and that's you've got to do it. I know, but that's almost like an affirmation that he is the Doctor. Mm-hmm. You know, if there's one thing the Doctor yes. does, it's run around banging buttons in the TARDIS. <laughs> yeah. So the frozen Gallifrey. Is the painting from the beginning? So, hang on. We need to mention the all 13 moment here. Mm. When when he goes, no, sir, all 13. Because who do we see at that point? D- did you miss it? D- maybe you missed it. Go on. Did you not get, catch the eyebrows? Oh, whose eyebrows? The eyebrows. What, was Capaldi Cause, there cause it's as like, well? We, yeah, it cycles through. Um, you you see all the the classic doctors, 
um you get um the 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 war doctor uh 10th doctor 11th doctor and uh, yeah the the line oh, is yeah. something like it's says, the same oh, 13, well, then, it must include him yeah. Because I've only seen yeah, 12. Yeah, he says, no, yeah, he says, he, and he says, oh, God, all 12 of them. And then um, the general says, no, sir, all 13. And yeah, just for, it's a split second shot. Ah. Uh, it's, and it's a close up of Capaldi's scowling eyes and these big bushy eyebrows. Ah. And I think you maybe see a hand pull the lever and that's it. Uh, I was maybe making you can, notes and just yeah, away can, it's, exactly the wrong second. It is a blink and you'll miss it moment, but uh, yeah. Mm. So there you go. Ah, so he's on the horizon now. He certainly is. He'll probably be like midway through the next series and we'll just have like <laughs> regeneration like we've had this series where people just disappear <laughs> halfway through. Just randomly, yeah. Yeah. So the time streams are all out of sync. Mm-hmm. So it turns out the War Doctor won't remember saving Gallifrey. No. And he also won't remember seeing Rose. Mm. So the fact that he... Because from here, he must immediately go to the start of Eccleston. So we see him regenerate into Eccleston. We do. And he yeah. mentions the ears. He says, oh, I hope the ears aren't that bad. But yes. then when we first see Eccleston, the first thing he does is check his ears. Mm-hmm. So from the end of the Time War, the Doctor must immediately go to London... And one presumes it does it doesn't necessarily have to be no but that, you know, i suppose he goes there because the autons are kicking off doesn't he mm. but, well he, he he goes there because he's there and he and he finds the autons but we don't know exactly what the ninth doctor's timeline is we don't know how long he's been tootling around in that body certainly in Rose, it seems to be the first time he's ever stopped and had a good look at himself because he catches his reflection in a mirror. But it could have been 10 minutes. It could have been 10 weeks that he's been in that body and just had bigger things on his mind than to actually check his face. We don't know. Um, but anyway, yeah, we, we do at least get that loop closed. So, you know, we've seen the regeneration from uh, McGann into Hurt and we see the start of the regeneration from Hurt into Eccleston. Mm -hmm. So, once the War Doctor has left, Smith tells Tennant about Trenzalore. Which, that... I suppose he's going to forget, isn't he? I was going to say, is that like a lawbreaker? But no. Yeah, no, that's the thing. The, the, The beauty of this is because they forget, it doesn't invalidate anything we've seen up to this point the doctor still has been living with that guilt and that false memory that that's what he did that he used the moment and he wiped out uh mm, the time of the right. Daleks. um but obviously we now know that's not actually how it occurred and it's only smith smith from this point onwards in his life that he will remember yes. that this is how it actually happened so when he tells him about Trenzalore, Tennant, of course, says, well, I don't want to go. Yeah, uh, they had to do it, I guess. And as he disappears, they're back in the gallery looking at yeah. different paintings. And Clara tells yeah. Smith an old man or a curator was looking for him. Yeah. And do you know what? Did I you... thought this was going to be David Bradley playing the first Doctor. Oh, uh, that would have been interesting, wouldn't That's it? That's what I thought it was. 
Yeah, but no, if you know, fair play to them. If you're gonna, if you, there isn't room for all of the classic actors, but if you're gonna make space for anyone, Tom Baker's not a bad choice. Do you know what? Because... I, I've, I've been thinking since I saw this, yeah, like because I couldn't even remember what Tom Baker adventure we watched. Yes, it, it, was, uh, robots it was Robots of, of Death. death. I was yeah. like, I think we need to watch more Tom Baker. Oh, we will. Don't worry. But we need to watch good Tom Baker, not Robots of Death. Oh, God. You are hard to please sometimes, Matt. But anyway, yeah, uh, I mean, he's great in this. But of course, it, uh, the reason they went with Tom Baker is, I think, twofold. One, he is probably the most iconic of the classic Doctors. He had the longest run. Um and uh, he's the one that, like, an international audience and a casual audience most most commonly associates mm-hmm. with the role of the Doctor. Um, he's also the oldest surviving Doctor. Is he? You know, yeah, yeah. Uh, he's of the actors. He's he's like, not only is he is the oldest in terms of played the it most you know longest ago, but also he is you know just the oldest actor um, to have portrayed the Doctor. I did like the lines so. where. Because obviously Matt Smith's Doctor recognises him. Yeah. And he never acknowledges that he is the Doctor, but he says, well, you know, you've had so many faces, maybe in the future you'll just revisit some old ones. Yeah. And he says, but just the old favourites. I I mean, just everything about this moment. Because, you know, to to, to rewind a little bit, you know, Matt Smith, he's sat there, he's staring at the painting, having a little think, and he's sort of saying, you know, I could retire one day. I could retire and be a curator. I could be creator of this place. And before you even see Baker on screen, you hear his voice. And it's an unmistakable voice. Mm. Even with the intervening years, that sort of rich, fruity baritone of his, where he just says, you know, I really think you might. And just, yeah. oh. <laughs> Honestly, I, I, I chills every time mm. with that moment. Yeah. And there he is. And he's just, he's he, he is twinkling he's got this yeah. grin on his face yeah. and you know i, I like when, he says... when, when the doctor says i'm just looking at this painting uh and yeah the, and then tom baker says well do you know its name and the doctor says yeah. well it's got two it's gallifrey <laughs> falls or no more and he explains well actually no it's one name one time it's called gallifrey yeah. falls no more yeah which Proves to Matt Smith that his plan has worked. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So then, I mean, this is going to be the next bad wolf, isn't it? Gallifrey's out there somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> Turns out all Doctor's along. Doctor's just got to go and find it. Yeah. So that's going to be uh, next season, isn't it? Wild goose chase yeah. across the stars looking for Gallifrey. Yeah. And, then... and so it just, yeah, it just ends with this little bit of voiceover with the Doctor talking about... You know, he didn't know what his destination was for a long time. He was just sort of wandering. But now he knows. He's been going where he's always been going. Home. Mm. The long way round. So. Ah. There you go. That's. And and, and you've got that lovely final shot as well of, you know. All the doctors. And just, they're all there. And it's just. uh, it's, It's beautiful. Yeah. Isn't it? It's just, what. There is no other show with a legacy like this. No, no, no. 
nothing comes close like you could talk about something like star trek or something which has had its different iterations and different captains and things like that but to have one character portrayed by so many different people in so many different ways but still essentially be that same character and you know and this story it's it is it's a it's 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 a redemption of the Doctor because whilst I I 100% agree that RTD made the right choice in concocting the Time War and making him the last of the Time Lords and giving him that survivor's guilt and all the rest of it, it made for a really fascinating few series of TV. But on a certain level, it does feel very undoctory. Hmm. And it's so lovely that, that, that Moffat was able to kind of look at it and not cheapen or diminish anything that took place in those in in those uh, years, but to go and, and and basically just retcon it. It's it's one big retcon. Let's not it, kid ourselves. It is, but it also feels like the end of a chapter, the start of a yeah. new chapter. Exactly. It kind of it finally puts to rest the last of the Time Lords arc. Mm. And it allows our Doctor to now go forward slightly less burdened and, you know, ready for, 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 for new adventures. Um, I think it's... it's it, I hesitate to call it a masterpiece, but it's bloody close. Mm-hmm. I, I don't. I don't think he could have done better under the circumstances. You know, we'll acknowledge the elephant in the room, which is that the War Doctor is a concoction born of the fact that Moffat wasn't able to persuade Eccleston to come back. Yeah, I thought that was. I think the case. we all kind of. Yeah, and like he had meetings with him and, and and stuff like that, but it wasn't. I don't think Eccleston was at a point emotionally where he was ready to do it. Uh-huh. I think that's what it ultimately came down to. And I totally respect that. You know, he he doesn't owe anyone anything. It's it's wonderful that he's coming back and doing Big Finish. But as far as I'm concerned, that's just... That's icing on the cake. He didn't need to do no, that. No, as far it's as I'm nice concerned, Big Finish have got three years to convince him to do the 60th. <laughs> I wonder. It's, I think it's a much more of a possibility than it ever was for, 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 for this. Mm. Um the last couple of years has really been a story of Eccleston slowly warming to the fandom and making peace with, with the the complex feelings he has with his time on the show. Uh Um, But anyway, yeah. So, but talking about day of the doctor, yeah, it's, it manages to me, for for me to strike that balance of a celebration of the show's past without just dwelling in it and also actually ending on a point of looking towards the future. Yeah, and it ends on a bit which, of a positive note as well. Yeah, exactly, which it had to. Like, as, as interesting as it would have been to like delve deeper into some of the darker aspects of the War Doctor, I feel like the 50th anniversary is not the place for that. No, no. And it might be worth mentioning that, you know, eventually... Uh, John Hurt did uh, sit down with Big Finish and record a few. Oh, really? Uh, ju- just a ha- just a handful of stories before his death, and, and it, sadly, it was a case just because he was very ill, and he was bored, and he was he needed work that he could do whilst sitting down and not, 
you know, oh, not well. not being too physically active. And so Big Finish was a perfect outlet for that. Um, and I, I think he really, well, though he didn't have long to do it, like, I think he really loved that he got to do this. And, you know, I, I, there's tales of him, like, on set saying to Stephen Moffat, like, this does, you know, this is proper. Like, I really am actually... I, I, I count, don't I? And Dusty was <laughs> like, yes, yes, you count. Good. You know? So it's... Because I think as an actor, like, why wouldn't you want it on your CV? Like, yes, it's a lot of work doing Doctor Who, but... Yeah, there's definitely thing worse to have roles on your to CV. Have. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but, you know, we've got Matt Smith for a little bit longer yet. Um, Excellent. And the specials keep on coming. So next week... We are going to be talking about uh, the Christmas special, The Time of the Doctor. Does, sort of does rounding season out seven the... ever end? <laughs> no. It ends with the Christmas special. I mean, I can't even remember what the first episode is. It's like... <laughs> it was Asylum of the Daleks. That was, a fir- that, was, that was the first episode we recorded after... It's basically been the lockdown season for us, hasn't it? I know, it? but I, I feel, feel like, like I've gone from young John Hurt to old John Hurt in the time we've done it. <laughs> it's season seven, my war doctor years. And, and, and odds and ends, there is, there's a lot to get through in that one. But but yeah, no, the, the next episode, the Christmas special, Time of the Doctor, as you may note with the title, it's kind of like maybe the end of of a sort of mini-arc, if you like, starting with Name of the Doctor. You had Name of the Doctor, Night of the Doctor, Day of the Doctor, and here we are uh, next week with Time of the Doctor. Yeah, but then so... we'll probably have, like, the Tomorrow of the Doctor, the next week on <laughs> Tuesday of the Doctor. Just, like, never-ending. Right, so it so, looks like we've got yeah. nearly three hours. I, I, I told you. I think it was going to be, yeah. Two hours I, I don't, optimistic, I... wasn't it? I think well, we'll see what we are in the in the final edit. I think it'll probably be about two and a half hours. But uh, anything you want to say before yeah. we go? Well, thank you to every single one of you who's. I mean, I, I thank you every week, listeners. But goodness me, it's it's it amazes me every week that that that, that people do actually want to tune in and listen to us talk about Doctor Who. It's not as though you don't have other options. I, I could list off the top of my head a good dozen better Doctor no, Who podcasts. there's two choices. You there's me... us or Married to <laughs> Who. The others don't count. <laughs> That's it. All right, then. Um, but, yeah, thank you so much to anyone listening, uh, you know, on the sort of week of release of this or, or far into the future if you're catching up. I hope you have enjoyed these first hundred episodes. Uh, here's to the next hundred, I guess. Uh, I, I kind of put on Twitter, here's to the next ten billion. <laughs> well, you know what? If you want to do all the classic, I'm here for it. <laughs> yeah, it wouldn't be a burden, would it? Uh, well, we'll see. We'll see. Um, but yeah, uh, we've, we've got a long way to go before we get there, I think. Um, so thank you ever so much for listening, everyone, from the bottom of my heart. Yeah, and, because uh, next week we're going to start charging. Quid an episode. <laughs> You've had a hundred. Uh, oh for... yes, please. Yeah, do subscribe to our Patreon. Yeah. Uh, um, You've had a hundred. Leave us a review free. on iTunes. You may notice we never bother with that stuff. Um, no, like I did an Instagram. Uh, yeah. But all I do is just put up weekly that on a Friday to remind that the next episode's coming out. <laughs> I did Twitch for a bit, but then I just wanted to spend time with my wife instead. 
Yeah, I don't blame you. Um, uh, speaking of which, I, I should probably get back to my family. Yeah. I had to lie to my child and tell him I was working. <laughs> oh, David. I couldn't... I, I didn't you know have I could... ended episode 100 on a <laughs> sour note, my friend. <laughs> Look, he, he's, he's not even two yet. He doesn't know what podcasts are. Oh, well, I might as well join in the admissions, because a lot of the time when I just have my laptop open and I've just been writing poems about Doctor Who, when my wife just goes, what's that? I just go, I'm just working from home. (laughs) These are the sacrifices we make, listener. Lying to our loved ones just to bring you Doctor Who-related nonsense every single week. So, Anything else we need to say before we go? I don't think so. Hold on, let me ask one final question. Oh, what? Okay, go on. What are you having for tea? I believe probably some kind of pie. Oh, nice. There was there was talk of pie earlier today. So, what about you? What are you? Got we're having chicken wraps. So it's a double chicken day for you, is it? Yeah, I didn't really plan that very well. But... <laughs> you know, these things happen. Uh, all right then. Well, thank you as well, Matt. Personally, it's for it amazes me you didn't give up. No, by... the pleasure's all mine. <laughs> Thank you for giving aspects of my life a purpose, like my weekends. <laughs> I'd probably be just sat uh, vegetating. It's good to be busy, isn't it? Yeah, everyone it's needs a friend. Busy, everyone yeah. needs a hobby. Indeed. Uh, on, but, on, that note, on that note, me and David have both got one friend and one hobby, so we're not looking for any others, so leave us alone. No, I, I have no space privacy. in my schedule. Yeah. Right, we've got to go. We, we've said goodbye for yeah. about ten minutes. We have. We've, we've got to wrap this up. Okay, well, thank you ever so much, everyone, for listening, and, uh, yeah, uh, I hope here's to many, many more. And uh, until next time, cheerio. Bye now. Thank you for listening to Neither the Time Nor the Space. If you wish to contact us, our email address is timenorspacepod at gmail.com and on Twitter we are at timenorspacepod. And thank you to Alexander Urban for his smashing arrangement of the Doctor Who theme.